of St. Joe's Prep Football. It is the first game of the 2014 season out here in Chicago, Illinois. I am Tim Pergolan, along with the rest of WSJP, will be ringing you this first game as the 12-time state champion Mount Carmel Caravan take on the, the reigning Pennsylvania football champs of St. Joe's Prep Hawks. Here with me doing color is Rich Henkels. Rich, great to be here. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back for another season of Hawk football. They're about to uh, head to the center of the field for the coin toss, and let's just look back for one moment and think to ourselves. The last time we were together, Tim, it was you and some of your classmates, and you were doing a state championship game when the Prep dismantled Pittsburgh Central Catholic, and you get a sense that this team on the field right here in Chicago feels about the same way that one felt last year when they came off the field in Hershey. Well, one of those great things that I very much like about the St. Joe's Prep Hawk team is that they are returning many key players. A lot of big names. John Reed, John Runyon, Olamide Sakaeus, Tom Johnson, Dylan Deolius. All these players are all going to have a big role in this upcoming season, and they are just a great group of players, all led by Coach Gabe Infante. Absolutely, and the captains are out on the field right now, and uh, go ahead and run down the captains for St. Joe's Prep, Tim. Well, St. Joe's captains will be capped off with number 10, Jake Strain, number 75, John Runyon, number 41, Dylan Deolius, Tom Johnson, Justin Montague, John Reed, and Olamide Sakais. And on the other side of the field for the caravan, and we'll explain the name the caravan shortly, but it's uh, uh, Marquise Peggs, Newland Canusta, Tree, Troy Wiesenhofer, Alex El Dorado, that's a great name, is it not? And then there's three other guys out there, uh, Demonde Greer, Jack White, and Martin Kelly. These, both of these teams come in much ballyhooed, uh, ranked in the top 50 across the country, ranked in the top one or two of their states. And, and, you know, you look at the size of the teams, you look at the coaching staffs, you know you've got two juggernauts on the field, and both are extremely excited about getting this game started. Well, as I just mentioned, the Mount Carmel Caravan are 12-time, let me repeat that, 12-time Illinois State Championship winners, including 2012 and 2013. So coming here, back-to-back championships against St. Joe's Prep Team, who have just recently, last year, won their first-ever State Pennsylvania Championship. And later on today, uh, probably during the halftime show, we'll have Bill Abingdon in here, and, and Bill will be explaining exactly how this game came about. It's a pretty good story. Uh, the coin toss, Tim. The prep will have the, will get the ball to start. Do you think that's what they really wanted? I, I think Coach Infante really wants to set the tempo for this game, and how he's going to do that is get his offense running and gunning from the very start. And so... The big question mark, or not so much a question mark, but just where most of our focus of this upcoming year will be, will be new quarterback Jack Clemens, a senior in his senior year at St. Joe's Prep, replacing a great quarterback in Chris Martin. But now, Rich, this is his offense. Well, it's a very different team. Uh, Martin, of course, 5'8", 215 pounds, strong as an ox, uh, versatile, could do almost anything. Clements is more of a traditional player. I mean, he's 210, 6'4". Um, he, he's a guy who's going to expect it to be standing in the pocket, fire downfield, and all those kinds of things. How much Clements can effectively utilize his speed guys out there, DeAndre Swift, Alameda Zacchaeus, uh, and all of those other guys, John Reed, that's going to tell 
whether or not these guys really are prepared. Remember last year, this team did not start off a house of fire. They did in Dallas, but after Dallas, they lost 42 to nothing to Don Bosco. So it was a team kind of in disarray. They found themselves midway through the season and then took advantage of several games like the Malvern game and a few others to heal up before that run to the state championship. So I think you're absolutely right that it's going to – Clemens has to use this game. It's top-notch caliber uh, competition, and – He's got the coach's support, 100% coach's support. This is his senior year, Tim. He wants it bad. Well, this is his offense. He played in the city championship game against Frankfurt and led them to a 10-7 victory, which eventually put us on the road to the state championship. But that was Chris Martin's offense. I feel like this year's offense will be more calibered to his preferences, what he does best, some, th- some tangibles that he has that Martin doesn't have. And so that's why I truly do believe in Gabe Infante and his offense and his team overall that he will do this the right way. So give you a feel about this, uh, this uh, stadium, folks. This is Toyota Park where the soccer team played, the Chicago Fire of the MLS. It's a beautiful grass field. We're calling the action from uh, our uh, – St. Joseph will be going from our left to our right. In the, in the distance at about 8, maybe 9.30 is the Chicago skyline, which is fantastic. And now the caravan set to kick off. Tim? Zach Mirabelli will kick off for the Mount Carroll Caravan. They will be wearing their brown jerseys and will be kicking from our right to our left. St. Joe's Prep in their white jerseys, and here is the kick. The ball is to John Reed, but he will let that bounce out of the end zone. That is a very powerful kick for number 17, Mirabelli. Well, that tells you something about it. And he's their regular kicker, so that tells you something about his leg strength. By the way, a couple other folks here helping us. We mentioned uh, Bill Abington, who's Director of Alumni Relations and Marketing. Bill has been instrumental in getting WSJP on the air. Uh, Tim, of course, represents all the students. We'd also like to say thanks to Joe Krause, who's, uh, who's back in Philadelphia listening to our every word and there to help us. And we have two other gentlemen. Uh, uh, Dan and Tom Abington, uh, one uh, soon-to-be freshman and the other a uh, seventh grader who's going to be a prep uh, hawk down the road too. Tim, to the play-by-play. So Clemens from the 20, he lines up in the shotgun, and his first ball will be aired out to DeAndre Swift, and it is picked off by Mal Carmel, running and searching. There's a flag on the field, but he will be brought down by Jim Bell. He threw it behind him. That was Colin Canusta who got the interception. Clements just threw the ball behind him. He had a guy wide open. Uh, Swift was there. Uh, the flag appears to be an illegal block at the 35-yard line, Tim. That seems to be a holding on Mount Carmel, but it is still Mount Carmel ball, and these prep defense will take the field for the very first time, having to cover a very short field for a high-potent offense in Mount Carmel. Now, I know that I'm the eternal optimist, but sometimes that kind of thing... Can, can really clue a player in. Jack Clements comes off the field. He's got the headsets on right now. You know that they're saying to him, Jack, relax a little bit. You're fine. The team, the, the defense will bail you out, but this is going to tell you just how, what kind of a kid Jack is, that he can come in, make a bad play right out of the gate, but how quickly he can rebound is really what it's all about. And leading this Mount Carmel Caravan offense is a new quarterback, junior Anthony, Anthony Thompson. He will be the quarterback for the Mount Carmel Caravan. And, but, however, that is no difficult task for Mount Carmel because he is their third new quarterback in three years. So Coach Frank Lenti very used to training new quarterbacks. He will start out behind center with two running backs, two behind him in motion. And they will be running an option. And the ball is handed off to number 23 for the Caravan, A.J. Lewis, a 
a 177-pound junior. And this won't surprise you. Joe Dumont made the hit and knocked him on his can after about a gain of two or three yards. Uh, that starting running back, uh, Lewis, he's a junior, 177 pounds, and he's going to be running side-by-side side with um, – a couple of different people. You'll see, you'll hear a number of names, and the reason why is this is the kind of game that a coach wants to use as many players as he can, get this good experience. Obviously, they want to win the game, but as you said, this is a team that churns a lot of players through a program. They're a program. So Anthony Thompson, being a new quarterback, he's not new to the system. So Mal Carmel will come back out. They're very much known in Chicago as being an option-heavy team. He hands it off again, and he is stopped for no gain at all. That ball is handed off to number 34, Nick Vazenska. And Vazenska's been around. He's 5'7", 200. Uh, the secret to him, according to some of the folks on the sidelines before the game, is he gets behind those linemen. And if you look at the linemen that they've got across the front, Martin Kelly, 6'7", uh, 315. Marcus Van Arsdale, also a big guy. Uh, Arco, a big guy. Uh, 6'4", 303, Devin Hickman. A big line, Tim, for that kid to run behind. Thompson again behind center with two running backs behind him on either side. He has two receivers to his right and one to his left. It's an option. He will keep it himself, and he pitches it back, but it is missed. The ball is on the ground, and it seems to be covered by St. Joe's Prep by number 44, Alec Dirks. However, there was a flag on the field, and we will have to yep. see how this, how, this, how this ball is called. Yeah, you know what? It might, it might be... It'll be very interesting to see what they called there because we made we forced the fumble and at the same time tackled the the ball carrier and the question becomes is it going to be a penalty on the prep or is it going to be a, now it's going to be against Mount Carmel I do believe still waiting for the call well, that was great pursuit though great pursuit by the the prep. The St. Joe's Prep sideline got very, very excited, and the head referee has been calling inadvertent, off. Inadvertent flag. Well, there you go. Now Jack Clements can turn around and go, you know, my defense has my back. You talk about being a confidence builder for your offense, your defense being able to turn it around. They actually gained yardage with that exchange. So with 10.32 left in the first quarter, it is still a 0-0 game for those of you just joining us. Jack Clemens started off with a pick on his very first throw, and then Mount Carmel goes back, and on their own drive, they fumble the ball. So St. Joe's Prep will pick up on the 50-yard line, heading from our left to our right. Clemens by himself in the shotgun. Jim Bell in motion, coming up next to him. He looks back, and he looks for a receiver. He will find Olamide Sakaius, oh. and it bounces just off of his hands. He had Zacchaeus there, and it bounced right off his hands. A little high, but Zacchaeus might have been able to make that second down. That was a confident throw on the part of Clements. He let him. It was up there. Zacchaeus should have caught that ball. There's no question about it. But it was a really good, confident throw by Clements. That's the kind of throw he's got to make. And as we have been seeing here, just a couple pregame jitters being let out on the field in the first two minutes of this game. Mm -hmm. And so Clements will line up in shotgun, two receivers to his left and to his right. Jim Bell in motion, going to his left. Clemens in the pocket, and he will keep this himself, and goes very, very small amount, about two yards picked up, and he was stopped by a very big defensive line of Mount Carmel. Now, to put that game in, or that play in perspective, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who watched last year, that was a Chris Martin specialty. When he was in the backfield all alone, he could get six, seven yards because he was shorter, he was stronger, he could power his way in. He, in this case, Clemens is too big a target. He got stopped after two yards. This hurry of offense is very quick for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. Clemens will play action. He finds John Reed on a screen. 
following his bloggers, and he will bring it down to about the 38-yard line, and that will be a first down for St. Joe's Prep. Nine-yard gain by Reed, and that's exactly the kind of play you'll notice now, Tim. They've thrown a couple, a dump pass over the middle, and they've thrown downfield twice. It shows you, Gabe Infante is going to mix things up. Clements seems to be in a rhythm at this stage. He's, he's got some good throws under his belt now. Clemens in the I formation. He will hand this ball off to Olamide Sakaeus, who kinds very, very little behind a big wall of defensive linemen. The mix of players that uh, Gabe is going to, Gabe Infante is going to get in here on the offensive end. We've already seen four different players handle the ball, not counting the quarterback, and that's exactly what has to happen. Thank you. Big thanks to Bill Abington handing us bottles of water. It's hot out here. It's 80, 82 degrees right now, and I think it's hotter than that in the press box. Alameda Sakias takes a handoff to his right, and he finds a hole, and he is broken through the secondary, and that is a touchdown. St. Joe's Prep with an early lead from a great run by Alameda Sakias. 37 yards by Alameda Sakias, and the guy that really was grasping for air was number six. I can't find, oh, Marquise Peggs, one of their better players, one of their captains, was less grasping for air at about the 22-yard line. Zacchaeus gave him a move to the left and then went around to the right on the sideline and scampered in for the touchdown. Beautiful play by Alameda Zacchaeus. Nick Bill comes in for the extra point. He is a senior and his first year kicking for the prep. And the hold will be from Zacchaeus a little low, but Nick Bill will put it through the uprights. 7 nothing, St. Joe's prep. Nine minutes to go in the first quarter. And that's a, a wonderful, wonderful recovery for the offense, given the fact that they got one play and they threw an interception. They came back. They forced the fumble. I think Mount Carmel's a little bit surprised at what they saw right there. Uh, you know, that Nick Bill's a, a great story because Nick Bill wasn't sure what he was going to do. He couldn't play last year as a junior, if you remember, Tim. We ran into his parents at the lobby of the Hyatt downtown, which is where the St. Joe's Prep's parents are, are staying. And uh, I ran into his mother and father, uh, Michelle and Chuck, and I said, what position is your son playing? because last year I didn't see him at all. He didn't play. And they said, well, believe it or not, he's kicking. Now, he's not your standard kicker. He's 5'8", 212 pounds. He's not your standard kicker. He's a, he's a bowling ball type kicker. But apparently he spent the summer going to kicking camps. And by virtue of the kicking camps, that was straight. It was clear. He focused. I mean, the low snap, as you call it, that's the kind of thing you know Nick, right? Yes. Does it surprise you that he was able to focus like that and become a kicker out of the blue? Well, I know how much he really loved the team. He wanted to play and he wanted to win, but he also wanted to be part of the team. He knew that his best way for him to help the team would be picking up the kicking's position as Pat Walsh graduated. So that drive, by the way, folks, 52 yards, the TD by Alameda Zacchaeus on the 37-yard run, the time of the drive, 127. Dan Abingdon with the stats. Thanks very much, Dan. Nick Bill, two kickoff. And they will send it a very far away to Mount Carmel, number 23 on the return. He is following his wall of blockers, and he will be brought down on a very big tackle by junior number 20, Rich Carr. He is a sophomore, excuse me. And Rich is going to get some time. Uh, I was talking to some of the prep coaches on the sideline. He and, and several other the sophomores are going to get, see some serious time, especially early in the season as they get, their, they get their, their rhythm for the season ahead together. That was A.J. Lewis on the return for the Mount Carmel Caravan. And so now, Anthony Thompson down seven points very early in the game. How does he recover from a shaky first start? Well, the first thing he does is he doesn't worry about it. And my guess is that's exactly what Frank Lenti said. Don't worry about it. There's plenty of time. You've got a great line in front of you. Follow them. Let them do what they need to do. 
Anthony Tompkins barking out commands to his offensive line with two running backs to his left and to his right. He will very quickly turn around and hand it off to the fullback, but he is brought down. Oh, no, he broke through the offensive line, and that will be a good gain for the Mount Carmel Caravan. That run was by number 23, A.J. Lewis. And what did he do? He stayed low. He's, um, he's uh, again, 5'9", 177 pounds. He's strong. He's, he's a little bit like Dylan Deulius in the, in, in the way that he runs the ball. You know, Dylan stays low, uses his leg strength. That's exactly what we've seen with this gentleman. From very early on in this game, we can see that this Mount Carmel Caravan is very similar to an offense like Navy, a very, very run option heavy. And so now Anthony Tompkins will line up behind center. The snap comes in, and he will run to his right, but he hands the ball off to number 33, Jaquan Boyton, and he will gain the first down on that play. So first down for the caravan, the ball on their own 41-yard line. Yeah, this team does look a little bit like some of the teams we saw during the playoff stretch last year with the state championship. Now, Chamonix had a team very similar to this. The quarterback stayed behind the line, handed the ball to the guys up the middle. It's a perfect prep for the, the prep team as they head into their season. Tompkins, and again, the same formation. He is behind center, two running backs to his left and to his right, and then two wide receivers lined up to his right. He takes a snap, turns right, and he will pitch this back to A.J. Lewis, who is brought down very quickly on a big hit by John Reed, and that will be a loss of about three yards for the Mount Carmel Caravan. And John Reed, he is quick, but I, you did not need me to tell you that. Absolutely not. And it was, you know, it's really interesting is that for some reason, other teams have not clued into the fact that this team is quick. Do you remember that playoff run last year? It was the same stuff. Pittsburgh Central Catholic had scored 40, 50 points against every single team. And what was happening is the prep kept beat him to the edges. And that's what happened right there. Reed beat him to the edge and knocked him down. So it will be second down and 12 yards for the Mount Carmel Caravan. More receivers out on this play, but still the basic setup with a behind center and then two running backs. This will be a pass from Tompkins to the lefty, and he will find a receiver for about a 10-yard gain. It still looks like it will be third down, and on that play, Anthony Tompkins found number 86. Lewis Demetrius, tight end as a junior. That's a tall kid, too. He, he could have thrown the ball way high and, and not had to worry about it going out of bounds or anything like that. And more importantly, he brought the ball down and he protected it. So it will be third down and a very short distance for another first down. And what would you expect would have to be a run on this play for the Mount Carmel Caravan? I think they're going to go to the fullback up the middle. I would think Jaquan Bunton is going to get that ball to go up the middle. Yep. No. He will keep it himself and pitch it outside, and that will be a first down, and he is brought down on a very big hit and eventually sworn by other prep defensemen. The initial hit was by number 43. Number 43. James Johnson, James. sophomore. James, sophomore James Johnson. And that'll bring up a first down and 10 on the prep 41-yard line for the Mount Carmel Caravan. James Johnson, a, a, a younger brother of Tom Johnson, a senior, one of the captains of the team. And so the same setup for the Mount Carmel Caravan. They are heading from our right to our left. It is still 7 nothing, 547 left in the game. The quarterback kept it himself, looking for a pass, but he is started scrambling around as the pocket enclosed, and he was brought down by a very big sack by the prep defense. That was, again, number 46. Joe Dumont. Joe Dumont. Dumont's got such good hands. You know, and, and he's, he's he, of course, he keeps his head down 
So he's always after it. He never pulls back. He's one of those guys that gets after it so that his teammates know that, listen, he's going to be ultra-aggressive. And fortunately, he gets to the shoot tops almost every time. I can't remember how many times we saw last year he'd make a tackle in the, in the, you know, in the backfield by the shoot tops. Why? Because he just kept after it. So it is second down and 17 for the Mount Carmel Caravan. A 7-0 lead for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. And this is their second drive for Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel with a very quick handoff to a running back, and he finds a huge hole, and he is brought down at the 20-yard line. That is a 30-yard run for number 33 of the Mount Carmel Caravan. And two of the prep, prep's own players knocked each other down on that play. Uh, Benny Walls and uh, Zach Goss both got into each other's way and knocked each other down on the tackle. Fortunately, it was enough. They got enough of uh, him to knock him down and... and and then leave it so that he didn't get into the end zone. If they had gotten a little closer to each other, they, they may have knocked each other before they made the tackle. That was Jaquan Boynton on the run, as we are repeating his name very much. Him and A.J. Lewis are two crucial parts of this Mount Carmel offense. Very good drive by Mount Carmel. They've really focused here. With the snap, he will run to his left and hand it very quickly off to A.J. Lewis on this play, and he gains about five yards second down and five for the Mount Carmel. Now the word in Chicago about this team is they will go as their option game goes and it looks right now that the option game is working pretty well. The, the big gains have been up the middle but the fact is they'll go out wide if they have to and it, a lot of teams will lull you to sleep with the interior game and then all of a sudden pop one outside. We'll see what happens here. Again, you're listening to WSJP Student Broadcasting for St. Joe's Prep, Philadelphia. Quick handoff to his left to A.J. Lewis. He's finding his hole in his team, and he is brought down at the 10-yard line. It will be third and short. That tackle by Dylan DeUlis. Dan Abington busy with the uh, uh, stats for us, Tim. Uh, this team doesn't take any time between plays. They get right after it. They, they get their, uh, their, their grind down, and they make it very methodical. John Runyon going in to lend a hand on the defensive line. Now, important on the option is to have a very skilled, intelligent, smart offensive line, and Miles Carmel very much does have a smart offensive line. A very quick handoff to his right to number 33, Jaquan Boyan, and that will bring up a first down with three yards until end zone. First and goal at the eight on that play, so he got, he got down inside the five, and uh, I'm impressed because, they remember, they had a second down and 17, and what did they come back with? They came back with a 25-yard gain after that play. So second down for the Mount Carmel Caravan. As I just mentioned, that's the offensive line for Mount Carmel. They are huge, athletic, and intelligent. And you need all three of those to run an option. Prep leading 7-0 with 2.55 to go in the first quarter here at Toyota Park in Chicago. It's very similar setup. Just an extra offensive lineman on this play. So one receiver to his right, and there will be seven guys up front for Mount Carmel. Handed off to his right, and he is running, running, and he is stopped very short of the end zone to bring up third and short. That run was to Jaquan Boyan and very, very, it seems like they will have two plays to score a touchdown. It looked like John Runyon and uh, number 22 also in there on the tackle. That would be Benny Walls. Runyon, of course, toward the end of last year became a two-way player. Early yeah. in the year we didn't see it, but now he is, and already this season we're seeing him going two ways. And now the Mount Carmel crowd, of which there's probably about 2,500 of them, and there's maybe 150 St. Joe's Preps fans. Mount Carmel crowd is, is making some noise. So with these extra linemen, oh, and there is, seems to be called a timeout on the field, St. Joe's Prep. 
and St. Joe's Prep fans, we would like to thank all St. Joe's Prep alumni for listening to the broadcast. We will see you at the home opener against Don Bosco at Plymouth White Marsh Field to kick off the schedule. And that game is at 6 o'clock, and that will be a great game for sure. And you are listening to WSJP, St. Joseph's Prep Student Broadcasting Club, the second year that WSJP has been on the air, and we're really happy to have been able to do what we did last year, covering the team all the way to the state championship finals and the victory against Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Tim Pergolin, a senior, Dan Abington, a freshman with us here in Chicago. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of the guys in the club, Tim, that are going to join you as the season goes by. And if you are a prep student and you want to be involved in something fun, not a bad thing to do, Tim, huh? Oh, it's really great. I really do love coming up to the booth and calling these football games. And we're definitely going to expand more into basketball, baseball, and pretty much every area of the prep we can think of. So also back in Philadelphia, I want to thank like guys like Jack Rayner, Michael Young, uh, and guys Aiden like... Donaher, Steve Bradley, Ben Ozuski. All these guys. And, of course, a freshman, if there's a freshman out there listening, hey, join WSGP. It's pure fun. We went to almost every game last year, and what a great experience. And on top of that, Mr. Joe Krause, you know, an experienced media professional in the Philadelphia area, constantly at the beck and call of the club to help out. We'll have a great year ahead of us. Let's see if uh, St. Joe's Prep can play some defense right now, Tim. Two minutes left in the first quarter. St. Joe's is up 7 nothing. Third and short on the goal line for the Mount Carmel Caravan as they try to tie it up. It looks like St. Joe's jumped a little before. However, they are pointing at, Mark, at Mount Carmel. Let's see what the referee calls. Do you remember last year we against LaSalle? Remember a similar scenario against LaSalle? We went offsides three straight times. But then we stopped them. And we stopped them. Why? We threw them off rhythm. I'm not quite sure this is the same thing, but that's exactly what we did against LaSalle. I mean, a half, a half of a half is not very much. And I think that's what Gabe and Fonte's thinking. So St. Joe's Prep will line up to stop them. A little shorter, not by much. And Mount Carmel is taking their time calling the play. No shortage of gamesmanship here, huh? As Mount Carmel will run the lineup, a lot of big offensive linemen going up against another load of offensive linemen. And again, it seems Prep pointing at Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel pointing at Prep. We will see what the official has to call here. Bit of gamesmanship for Coach Gabe Infante, and he is barking out commands to his defensive line all the way across the field. Uh, it, you know, it's dead silent out there because it's such a big stadium. It fits uh, probably 30,000, maybe 28,000, 29,000. And uh, so the penalty was declined. It was against the prep. It was declined. And now there's a – this is great because the, the, the prep fans, I think, all know what's going on here. The Carmel fans are thinking, why are they going off sides? Why are they going off sides? So the penalty was declined. Third down and very short. 7 nothing. St. Joe's Prep. Two minutes left. And Mount Carmel will line up with under center. He will keep it himself. And it might look like he crossed the goal line. Touchdown, Mount Carmel, as we wait for the official call. He went over that big left line, left side of the line, his guard and his tackle over there. And plenty of room, it looked like. Yep, touchdown. As you can hear, that stadium erupt from across the way. It is a touchdown for Mount Carmel. That will bring it 7-6 and the extra point will come in. And that was a beautifully constructed 
constructed, beautifully constructed drive by Malcolm McKay. Matthew McKay was the 5'11", 250-pound junior left guard that, that uh, Anthony Thompson went right over the top of. And that's what they're going to do in short yardage situations. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, after this extra point, I'll give you a rundown of the size of this Mount Carmel line. They have numerous guys that are uh, upwards of 270 pounds. It's, it's an enormous team. And for the kick is Zach Mirabelli, who we already learned has a big, big boot. The ball is placed, and it goes up, and it looks to be good for Mount Carmel. That will make it 7-7 with a minute 45 left in the first quarter. So just to give you an idea how big these guys are, I'm going to read off some numbers that are, are, are pretty, pretty stunning if you get right down to it. Uh, 64, their senior guard, Brian Weber, 250 pounds, 255. Lavelle Houston, junior guard, 6'5", 280 pounds. Ryan Murphy, defensive tackle, 5'9", 261 pounds. He's a senior. DeAndre Greer, defensive tackle, 5'10", 267. Uh, uh, Andreas Derrick, he's a tackle, 6'3", 278. Matt Reyes, he's defensive line, offensive line, 5'9", 288. Last time I checked, 59288 equates to a square. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. That's just plain big. And that's what these guys have got to learn how to, to play against today. It's a, it's a great exercise in, in training for the upcoming season in Philadelphia. And so St. Joe's Prep on the kickoff will send back two very powerful, explosive running backs. Olamide Sakeas, who already broke a touchdown this game, and DeAndre Swift, who we know is just a great, fast, quick player. And so Mirabelli will go back for the kick. And it is again very high, very far, very powerful. DeAndre Swift does, does not want anything to do with it. It bounces out of the end zone. And Jack Clemens will lead this offense back out onto the field. Something to note for this St. Joe's prep team, this offense, is that wide receiver Justin Montag is not playing offense today. It's fractured his fingers. He will be giving a hand on the cornerback position, but that leads a big wide receiver hole for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. So a drive recap for that. At 1.45 to go here in the first quarter. It's now 7-7. Mount Carmel, 12 plays, 72 yards. They ate up 7-12 on the clock. Thompson getting the touchdown from the 7-7 tie. That's power football. Ball on the 20-yard line for St. Joe's Prep. Jack Clemens in the shotgun. Two receivers to his left and to his right. He finds Olamide Zacchaeus. He goes parallel with him, but Zacchaeus drops the ball. It looked to be called a fumble, and so that will be a loss of yards for St. Joe's Prep. It was a quick bubble screen for Zacchaeus, who just dropped the ball. That's a six-yard loss, too, and that's, that's precision play that, that they've got to work on, obviously. It was a smart play. He had some room. He only had one guy to beat if he could catch the ball, but... Very quick of the St. Joe's Prep offense. Clemens barking out fake calls to see if he can get the defense to jump, but Mount Carmel does not bite. And so he lines up from our left to our right. 7-7 game with a minute left in the first quarter. Clemens drops back and looks for a pass. He seems to have a receiver. It is Terrence Green, junior, number 24, and that is about a 10-yard gain, and it will be second and five. Mount Carmel with a bit of a spread defense. They have six guys in the second layer of the defense. It's a 4-6-1, basically. They've really spread out their linebacking cores to go across the, the second layer of the defense and, and one, one safety way back. Third Four and five. guys on the line. Third and five. Ball on the prep's own 25. 
and this could be a big play early on in the game. They definitely do not want to punt back to Mount Carmel and see how well they can bring the ball down the field. Clements leans back. He throws the ball to Sakaeus, and it looks like it was blocked, but it will look like it will be a pass interference on Mount Carmel, number 35, Mark Mudd. Yeah, the 5'10 junior really did. There was no question it was an interference. He was, he was on top of the... Uh, Zacchaeus, as soon as the ball was released, there was no question about that. And though he thought he made a pretty clean play, I don't think there's any doubt about it. It looks like both teams, both offensive teams, have, have really come back and, and shaken off the jitters that led to the first interception on the part of Mount Carmel and then the fumble by Mount Carmel that the prep recovered. Looks like the offenses are in gear. And so Jack Clements will pick the ball up at the 40-yard line. 26 seconds left, 7-7 game, 26 in the first quarter. And so Jack Clemens barking out commands to his offensive line. Two receivers to his left, two to his right, with one back next to him. The snap will be a handoff to Alame Sakaeus, who finds nothing on that account. That was DeAndre Swift on that play. We have not seen much of Swift. They, they threw the ball to him one time. That was on the first play of the game. But we haven't seen much from Swift. I'm very curious to see how they're going to work him into the game more in the second quarter. And so it looks like they might just let the first quarter tick out, which will bring us to a second quarter and a lot to take from both teams after the first 12 minutes of play. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It was a very inspiring first quarter if you think about it. Both teams, as I said a moment ago, started off with with turnovers. Um, uh, A little bit unstable, it appeared. Uh, Clements for uh, for good reason probably, but he seems to have, have uh, you know knocked the cobwebs off a little bit. And of course, the caravan did exactly what you would expect. Now, by the way, Tim, real quickly. So the caravan—that's the name of this team. It's been the name of this team since the school opened up in 1900. And I'm going to show you. I wrote down what it actually means. A definition for the caravan is a group of people working together to succeed in excellence. Well, not a bad team, not a bad name to adopt when you have a program like this. They've been nothing short of excellent over the last 15, 20 years, and certainly in the last three years, Tim. Well, 12 overall Illinois state champion, and a very notable alum for us Philadelphians is Donovan McNabb. From Chicago, played at Mount Carmel, and he is the Philadelphia Eagles' all-time leader in wins, completions, passing yards, and touchdowns. He led the Eagles to five NFC championship games, and Super Bowl 34, tough game against the New England Patriots. But there is actually a rumor that Donovan McNabb is in the stands to watch his alumni, Mount Carmel Caravan, play against the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. And it is a rumor, though. You know, we haven't seen him yet. He is here. Bill Abington tells us he is here, and Bill's going to try to get Donovan McNabb on the air. Is that true, Bill? Absolutely, we're going to try. Of course, we try a lot of things, don't we? <laughs> All right, first play of the second quarter, Tim. It's all yours. 7-7 game. St. Joe's Prep in their white uniforms will now be going from our right to our left. Mount Carmel in their browns. The ball on the 40-yard line. Jack Clemens by himself in the shotgun. Three to his right, two to his left. He goes a very quick dump off to DeAndre Swift, and he gains about five yards, maybe six yards on the play. There it is. They want to spread it out a little bit. They've gotten the ball to Reed. They've gotten the ball to Chaos. You know, we have not seen touch the ball, though, is Dylan Deulius yet. He's not been in the backfield at this point. And Jim Bell hasn't seen it either, has he? Nope. So second down for this very quick hurry-up prep offense. Three receivers to Clemens' right, two to his left, and he is by himself. He will receive the snap from center, Ed Mooney, the junior big guy, 245, six foot. Clemens by himself back there. He is being rushed. 
next, and he will airmail this ball. He looked to be intending for sophomore Terrence Green, but that was way overthrown, which will bring up fourth and five, and the prep sends out the punt team. Kevin Thurman really laid into Clements on that as soon as he released it, and I think that's why the ball sailed high. Clements is tall, but as he was at full extension, Thurman hit him very hard. 6'3", 260-pound senior. He was all over him, and, and you can't blame... You can't blame Clements for that pass at all. Out the punt will be Rob Caprice for St. Joe's Prep. And back to receive the ball is A.J. Lewis for Mount Carmel. Capri with a very high punt. And it looks like it will be received on the 15. St. Joe's Prep immediately swarms them. And that is a big hit for the Prep by number 48, John Coppinger. 43-yard kick, 7-yard return. It was good hang time on that kick. If that's the kind of kicking they're going to get, punting they're going to get all season, then uh, it's, going to be a, uh, it's going to be a fun season. Let's hope he doesn't have to punt all that much. And so the score is 7-7 with 11 minutes, 10 seconds to go in half. Both teams with a scoring drive, both teams with a turnover, and both teams with a three and out. Now, Bridgeview, for those of you who know Chicago a little bit, Bridgeview is southwest of the city, just off I-55, heading toward Joliet and St. Louis. We're looking at a water tower that says Bridgeview on our right. It is a beautiful, beautiful day, probably in the low 80s, and uh, great conditions on the field. Oh, grass turf, and it's a beautiful turf that the MLS team, the Chicago Fire, plays on. A little different setup for the Mount Carmel Caravan. There were three receivers to his right, but he hands it off, and he is quickly swarmed by St. Joe's Prep D lineman Alec Dirks and Eric Hartman. We also had Jake Strain in there. He's, uh, Strain is such, such a key player for them inside. And again, the reason why is he's so, so aggressive. He'll get into the backfield, and, and he's always getting those tackles by grabbing the shoelaces and, and doing that little thing that, that up, you know, upends somebody and that sort of thing. Now, this is kind of a different game for guys in the secondary, like John Reed, Dylan, and Justin. They really... They're used to guys going deep on them and so they can make a play on the ball, but now this entire game, all they've been doing is rushing the box to bring a tackle down. Yep. So Mount Carmel in their normal setup, two receivers to their right, two running backs behind them, and it's a very quick handoff to Jaquan Boyan. Looks like he got about three yards, which will bring up third and five for Mount Carmel. And again, they've tightened up the defense. I think you explained it pretty pretty effectively a moment ago. Uh, Joe Dumont with the tackle there. It looks like they're pinching. That's why you wonder to yourself, at what point are they going to try to bounce it outside? You know, a, a, a quick pitch around the edge or something like that. That's where we're going to have to have great pursuit on the part of Justin Montague and John Reed. And so Mount Carmel will line up on the ball. Very similar formation. 7-7 game, 9.50 left in this halftime. And so Anthony Topkin leads it out. And he will throw this to the outside to number two. But he is brought down on a great play by Justin Montague. If he would have beat Monte, he would have had a long way to the end zone. But Monte made a great tackle. That, you're right. Great tackle. And you know what? He, he caught him at the waist. He caught him at the waist. There was no way that that ball player was going to, Avery Saffold was going to shake that off. That was really, really good execution by Monte. Again, a senior who we didn't see a lot of last year. I mean, that's the best part about this team, I think. There's so much depth. And now the, the sophomores that are now juniors are getting after it. The juniors that are now seniors are getting after it. It's fun to watch. It really is. We had great seniors playing last year, like Vince Moffitt and, and uh, Jawan McAllister. But now we have great guys that fill their spots, like Justin Montague and DeAndre Swift. And it's just very exciting to see this program all come together. 
John Reed will go a long way to receive the punt, but it's a very short, wobbly punt. John Reed bobbles it, but he's got it, and he is looking to break some tackles, and he does. He breaks to the outside, and he will go a long way. There are a ton of flags everywhere on the field. My guess is that it'd probably be taken back, but, man, what a crazy athletic run by John Reed. A 65-yard run by John Reed, who you might remember, folks, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson once fielded a punt on a couple of bounces, and it looked like he didn't have a chance against the Giants. That's exactly what happened with Reed. The problem is there was an illegal block. I think that illegal block was probably on the part of number 27, Lou Shiraki. What a shame, because, again, he's making a block, and it's all a timing play, and then he gets caught because why? Because he hasn't picked up the ball yet. And so... The ref explained to Coach Gabe Infante, and St. Joe's Prep will pick up with the ball on their own half of the field. 8.38 left in the game. Mount Carmel 7, St. Joe's 7, two powerhouse, two champions from different sides of the country playing an outstanding game in an outstanding city in Chicago. Now, this is really a great example of that kind of play where timing is just so critical. In a case like that, you're there to hold your block, but if you hold it one second too long, it becomes holding. Or you, know, or you, you, you go for the, for the block and, and knocking somebody down at the, at the, at the knees, um, and you wait one half a second, and what do you do? Now he's by you, so it's a clip or it's an illegal block. This is the kind of stuff that you learn in a game like this or you recall it in a game like this. You can build on it in subsequent games. So Jack Clemens will lead out the offense. They have 70 yards till the end zone. Ball on the 30-yard line with 8.38 left in the first quarter. Clemens lining off behind center, and he will hand this ball off to DeAndre Swift, who tries to break to the outside, but he is just not quick enough, and he is brought down by a very big defensive Mount Carmel player, Nick Wheeler, and that's when that's when DeAndre that's when DeAndre has just got to learn. Once once the defense is coming in, you got to run north south. You got to salvage the run as much as you can. Yep. He tried to break to the outside to see if he could get something, and he only lost. Well, we, we didn't see this last year, but uh, on that last play, Alec Dirk was in the backfield as the fullback. You might remember last year, Tim, Joe Dumont played in the backfield on an occasion or two. So Clemens lining up in center, or I'm sorry, in the shotgun formation. Two receivers to his right, two to his left, and he is looking for commands from the offensive coordinators. Again, Swift, Swift behind him in the backfield. And that will be a timeout for St. Joe's Prep. That is their second timeout called. They have one left. Mount Carmel with three timeouts left. 7.50 left in, second, in the second quarter. 7-7 seven, seven game. And again, a little, a little scene setter for you folks. This is WSJP, Student Broadcasting Club of St. Joseph's Prep in Philadelphia. Really glad to have you here for season number two for the Student Broadcasting Club. Back in Philadelphia, a quick hello to Joe Krause. Of course, we're using his equipment, so without Joe, we've got nothing at all, Tim Pergolan. Uh, with us here in Chicago, we've got Tim doing the play-by-play, a senior, an accomplished senior, who called the play-by-play all during the last uh, playoff run uh, last season, and to my left is our new statistician. He's a freshman, Dan Abingdon. Dan's done a tremendous job. He's the guy who's given me the uh, play counts and all the other information. So at halftime, we may even try to get Dan on the air to read off some stats for you. Right now he's brushing his teeth to make sure his breath is good while he's on the air. Bill Abingdon, of course, is director of alumni relations. He's here. His younger son, Tom, is also helping us. And my two sons, Van and Jack Hinkles, are also going to be pressed into duty later on today for this game. Beautiful day in Chicago here at at Toyota Park Stadium, home of the MLS Chicago Fire. Tim? Second down and 14 to go. Three receivers to Clemens right. 
three, two to his left. He is by himself in the shotgun formation. He stays in the pocket, and he tries to find junior, sophomore Terrence Green on a very short route, but there is just nothing there, and that will bring up third down. That ball was batted down by Kevin Thurman, a big senior on the defensive line, and he just batted that ball. No play for Terrence Green. And that didn't look to me like uh, Clements really was a sure you know, bet on that. He, he, he seemed a little hesitant in the release, and uh, Thurman got his arm up easily and knocked it down. And so a little movement on the St. Joe's prep offensive side. They will line up again with two to the right, two to the left. And he fakes the handoff to Jim Bell. And he will go far away to DeAndre Swift. But that was very much overthrown. Fourth and long for St. Joe's Prep. Well, they are looking for Swift. They've given him the ball a couple of times. They've thrown to him a couple of times here in the second quarter. So we knew that they were going to try to do some of that. Uh, what has happened, though, is they've fallen out of their rhythm. That rhythm they got right back into on the second possession. They're out of that rhythm at this point. The defense will be back on the field in a minute. I would think that this punt is an important one because now you're looking at a field position shift. The last punt he had was 42 yards. He'll need at least that in order to back up Mount Carmel. Clemens has overthrown a couple balls so far this game. You have to attribute that to it's his first game, first time seeing other other jerseys. It's and it's just a tough time breaking out into a new game, new offense, new defense that you've never seen before, never played, have no film on. That was a very, very far punt by St. Joe's Prep, and he is brought down quickly at the twenty yard line. So Mount Carmel is lining up at the at their own forty five and our punter, number nine, number Sorry about this. Some, number nine, Rob Caprice, with a very, very high and far punt. And that will grab a great field position for the St. Joe's prep defense. So put that in perspective. He kicked that ball from the 15, and it was fielded at the 15. You do the math. Now, that wasn't 70 yards in the air, but if you're going to get a ball downfield 70 yards, you're going to win a lot of games based on field position alone. Great punt. Great hang time. The ball bounced away from the returner, so he ended to feel it at the 15. He ran it out to the 22. So junior Anthony Tompkins will lead the Mount Carmel Caravan offense out onto the field. Two receivers to his left, a running back behind him on either side, and we will again see this option. Anthony keeps it himself. Anthony Thompson keeps it himself, gains about four yards on the play, and he is brought down by a swarm of prep defensemen. Thompson's a smart kid, it looks like. I, I think, you know, when you're running the option as a quarterback, there's not a whole lot of reads, but the reads that you make have to be really quick because if you don't, you're going to get hit by a 280-pound lineman. And so it is seven minutes left in the first half, 7-7 Mount Carmel. Prep's last two drives have ended in three and outs. Mount Carmel most recently has scored, but they also had a three and out, and it is second down and six yards for the Mount Carmel Caravan. Similar session, and Thompson will go by himself to his right, and he will gain about two or three yards to bring up about third and three for the Mount Carmel Caravan. That was all misdirection, folks. Uh, A.J. Lewis, 23 and 33. Jaquan Bunton both went to the left. And Thompson went around to the right. So uh, part of me would say that might have been a, that might have been a uh, broken play. But Thompson, uh, the, the way he squared up, he did see a small hole. He just couldn't get it to it fast enough. And so a third and three yards for the Mount Carmel Caravan. Same formation. This prep D is stacking many players in the box. John Reed in the box himself. A little jump, but no call. Oh, and the flag has drawn onto the field. Yep, that's going to be uh, that's going to be offsides by Eric Hartman, I think. Unless they pull them offsides. But he was certainly Hartman was certainly offsides when the ball was snapped. 
and they will call that on St. Joe's Prep. That will bring up a first down for Mount Carmel, and they will march that ball down to about the 35-yard line. So if you're wondering about home field advantage, these guys, uh, Mount Carmel, play two games a year here, maybe three. But where the home field advantage comes into play is for the fans. The Mount Carmel fans are all in the shade. Oh, The St. Joe's oh. Prep fans are all in the sun. <laughs> it's still funny. And so in the similar option formation, St. Joe's Prep with many guys in the box. And he will go to his right and hand it off very quickly to number 33, Jaquan Boyne, who finds a hole. Brings it for about eight yards and is brought down by it looked like to be number 45, Joe Dumont. It was actually uh, Dylan Duilius. And the reason why I know that, I paid attention to that, is because we haven't heard him or seen him much. They haven't gotten the ball past, you know, into the area where Dylan's got to make plays. But that was a great play. It was an open field tackle for intents and purposes. And as tough as that kid is, that's exactly the kind of tackle he has to make. A.J. Lewis and Jaquan Boynton lined up behind Anthony Thompson, barking up calls to his big, intelligent offensive lineman. And so the snap, and he again goes by himself to his right, and he is tackled with very, very big hits. It seemed like he might have dropped the ball, but I think he recovered it by himself. That's the exact same play a, a few minutes ago that I talked about, the misdirection. Both running backs went the other way, and after the play was over, I looked at, at both uh, Bunton and Lewis, and they were looking at each other throwing their arms up. I think there's a miscommunication there, and I think they're, that's something they're going to have to rectify because they, they don't want their quarterback exposed to those big bodies underneath like Jake Strain. Four minutes, 35 seconds left in the first half, 7-7 tie game. Mount Carmel with a big third down at their own 42-yard line. 47, excuse me. And the ball is handed off directly to Jaquan Boyan, who breaks a couple tackles with his big, powerful steps. Big, big guy. First down about the 50-yard line for Mount Carmel. That tackle was again by Dylan Deolius. And Gabe Infante has to have a sense of a sense of safety, knowing that Dylan Deolis is behind him. Every ball that has gone through them, that's broken through the front seven, the seven in the box, Dylan has been there to make the big tackle. Hmm. And so, in the same formation, hands it off very quickly to A.J. Lewis, who's going around, and he finds holes, and he breaks this side, and he will be brought down at the 45-yard line, 15-yard game, Justin Montague on the tackle. And again, Montague, with the, the play you have to make, that's the second time there's been an open field tackle, and it was not even a, a shoestring tackle. He squared up, he nailed him. Now there was a gigantic hole in the defensive line left open by these huge offensive linemen for Mal Carmel. He broke out straight to the center for about seven yards, broke to his left, got another seven there. First down on the 35-yard line for Mal Carmel. That's the primary challenge to having so many guys up front, which is what the prep has. On the option, he hands this ball off to Jaquan Boyan. Stopped very shortly for about two-yard gain. Second and eight. 3.30 left in the game, tied 7-7. So it's the pinball effect, ladies and gentlemen, for these running backs. Once they get through a hole, if they get hit, they, they bounce and they spin off it and they roll. And that's what happened on that long play a moment ago. And that's what happened there a moment ago as well. A.J. Lewis got spun, but he was picked up by a linebacker immediately. It's that it, When they can roll off the second guy, that's when they find a whole lot of green space. Second and eight, 33-yard line for the Mount Carmel Caravan. I'd say this is a, a big play for the prep because 2.58 to go, they've got to make the stop now. And so the handoff to number 33, Jaquan Boyan, and he looks like he got very close 
about six yards on the run, and I think it will be a third down, third and short for Mount Carmel. All the way down to the 25-yard line, just inside the 25, so he's looking at less than a yard for a first down with 2.35 to go. Mount Carmel, they're going to be satisfied with just pounding it in. Remember, their other touchdown was a 12-play, seven-minute drive. This is the kind of football Mount Carmel wants to play, and they certainly would love to wear out the clock and not give it back to St. Joe's Prep by the end of the game. As I was about to mention, about two minutes, 15 seconds left, and you know Coach Frank Lenti does not want to give the ball off to Jack Clemens so he can give it to his guys like John Reed. There's a two go very long. But as I was talking, Mount Carmel runs about 25 yards, finds their defensive, finds their defensive players. I'm sorry, finds... Offensive line had a very good blocking, and he breaks out to the side, and he's brought down very close to the touchdown, first down and goal. Yeah, it looked like a 25-yard run almost. Uh, John Runyon, of all people, made the tackle at the one-yard line. I I'll be honest, I, don't, I think that's a bad call. I think he was in the end zone. They fell into the end zone, that's for sure. But that's a great example. Again, it was three spins. Three spins by A.J. Lewis. That's how he broke free. And his, his linemen are going down and continuing to press the issue as he continues to run and spin off them. Two minutes, four seconds in the first half. Tied 7-7. Malcolm very, very close. And again, Gabe Infante's off-defensive line breaking through before the play is called a bit of gamesmanship that Coach Infante likes to run. I, one thing I have to say I'm very impressed by is the, the discipline of this caravan team. They, uh, penalties have been next to nothing. Uh, they, they're completely focused. They're not making bad, bad blocks downfield. You know, they're making good blocks. They're making smart blocks. The running backs clearly trust them. They haven't had to throw the ball. Why? Because they're running the ball so effectively. And so, again, first down about half a yard until the end zone for the Mount Carmel Caravan. And the St. Joe's Prep defense is looking to make any stop they can on this running game, which has been so effective on Mount Carmel's two scoring drives. Again, in their very similar option setup, Hopkins runs to his right, and he hands the ball off to number 33, Jaquan Boyan, and that is a touchdown. Mount Carmel has taken the lead with two minutes left until halftime. Now, one of the things that's going to be fun about this game is you've got two very good coaches, very smart coaches, and this game is, uh, unless the prep can do something in the two minutes that they have the ball, which, by the way, is very possible. They're a quick strike offense. They can do things really effectively in a, in a short amount of time. There's no question that they could do that. But even if they don't, the way that these two coaches have the ability to adjust, we saw Gabe Infante adjust many times in second halves of games, especially during the playoffs last year. So, But let's see what happens. And the kick will be again by Zach Mirabelli, a very great kicker for the Mount Carmel Caravan. And that is good. 14-7, Mount Carmel with the lead. Two minutes left, and Mount Carmel will receive the ball in the start of the second half. And well, I was going to say, it's a three-man offense right now. A.J. Lewis, Jaquan Bunton, and Anthony Thompson. They're the three guys that are carrying the ball. They're the three guys that are running the ball and paying attention. They're, uh, the running backs are, are like the pinball effect, as I mentioned. They get hit by a bumper. They roll off it. They spin off it. They find open space. They take advantage of the open space. Offensive line is, is keeping their head down. They're holding their blocks. And then after they've held their block and the guy's through, they're going down and making another hit. That's what has to happen when you've got a running attack. So very impressive job. No question about it on the part of the caravan from so, Mount Carmel. So now the question for Coach Gabe Infante, do you take shots down the field 
try and tie this game up or get three before the second half, or you, or you just try to run the ball out because Clemens, this game, about four maybe overthrown balls. He's obviously a little nervous before the game, but it's going to be up to Coach Gabe Infante. Am I going to run out the clock, count it, let my defense start off the second half, or am I going to take shots down the field and try and tie it up or make it closer? With two minutes to go, I think they're going to go, up, go for something. Yeah. I, I think that's just who Gabe Infante is. And remember, he's got speed guys. He's going to let Clemens take advantage of his speed guys. What they really want to do is they want to get a kickoff return here. And the way this kicker's been kicking the ball, that doesn't seem very likely. And so DeAndre Swift and Olamide Zacchaeus both back on the goal line. Mirabelli with the kick. And it is a pooch kick, and it will be to Justin Montag, who called a fair catch. But he called a fair catch, but it was jumped up and stolen by number 24 for Mount Carmel. The referee has, blown, has thrown a flag. I think it is because Montag threw a fair catch, but we will see what this flag call is. You're not going to see that play very often. That was so beautifully executed. And it tells you two things. One, that Mount Carmel is incredibly talented, that they could kick a ball that well and pursue it that effectively. But the other thing it tells you is how smart the St. Joe's prep players are to make that call on a fair catch. Think about the instantaneous thought process. You know he's thinking he's going to kick it deep. Why? Because he's kicked the other kickoffs way deep. Why would he not do it this time? But that's not the instantaneously made the decision. Whoever made that fair catch call. Justin Montague. Justin Montague. Really, really smart football on his part. And that's what led to the, the, uh, the penalty against the caravan. That's just great smart football for both teams if you think about it. But not to mention, that was a very, very athletic play oh, for um, Mount Carmel. Unbelievable. Number, number 24 on the team, Foster Williams, jumped up jumped as high as he possibly could, and he snagged that ball. But also, as you said, smart play by Justin Montag, the senior. And he ran it all the way down to the 10-yard line. So uh, this is the kind of stuff that you expect to see from teams that are in the top 100, top 75, top 50 in the country. And certainly right now they're number two in the state of Illinois. So that was a a little gamble for Coach Frank. Frank, uh, Absolutely a huge gamble. And I think it's because he doesn't expect these guys to make that smart call by making the fair catch. So St. Joe's Prep with very good field position with two minutes left on the 50-yard line. Clemens will fake the handoff, and he's running back, and he will find Alamide Sakiris on a, on a screen pass. He finds a tons of blockers, tons of open space, and that is a touchdown for St. Joe's Prep down the left sideline. Wow, what a tremendous play. And you know what? Jack Clemens was so poised. He had three guys bearing down on him. One of them, of course, the guy that he's seen a whole lot of lately, and that is um, uh, the big guy, Kevin Thurman, from the left side. Now, remember, Clements was throwing it to the left. So from his backside was Thurman coming in on him, and he calmly just plunked it over to Zacchaeus, and he got the box he needed. A very well-executed screen pass. He had three huge blockers in front of him. Just a wall of huge players. The field goal, the point after the touchdown, was blocked by Mount Carmel. That'll make it a 13-14 game, and that is just another showing of Mount Carmel's speed, athleticism, intelligence. This is a great football team. So we're going to give you a couple of quick recaps here, folks. The prior touchdown scored by Mount Carmel 
A 10-play drive, 78 yards. The TD was from Bunton, Bunton a one-yard rush to go up 14-7. to seven. The big play was Lewis, who went from the 25 down to the one, and it looked like he was going to score there, but John Runyon got him at the one-yard line. So they took the lead 14-7, to seven, and then after a really a very exciting onside kick that it looked as though the caravan had returned, had caught, and then taken it all the way down to the 10. In the end, because of a great play by Justin Montague, there was a penalty on the play. He called for a fair catch. So the penalty was at the 35. It's a personal foul. Prep gets the ball back at the 50, and on the very first play, you get a touchdown pass from Clements on the screen pass to Alameda Zacchaeus. Unfortunately, they don't get the, the, the point after. But, well, we, so do we have to ask ourselves, um, gee, what is Gabe going to do with that extra two minutes anymore? I don't think so. Eleven seconds have gone by, Tim. <laughs> And so, as he said, 11 seconds have gone by on that drive. The score is 14-13. Mount Carmel Caravan lead the St. Joe's Prep. Two touchdowns apiece. Only Prep's extra point has been blocked on one occasion. So it's 14-13, a minute 49 left in the first half. And do not forget to stick with us during halftime as Bill Abington and other members of WSJP will break down the stats and information given in the first half and also tell you what to expect on Gabe Infante's offense and Frank Lenti's offense and defense in the second half. And I can tell you one thing, it will be a great, great second half. And so Nick Bill will line up the kick. A.J. Lewis back to receive the ball. And this will be a far and long kick, but not as far as we have seen. He picks it up around the 10, and he will run. He will run. He finds a seam down the middle. He will be brought down by John Reed and the rest of offense. St. Joe's Prep did not give up on that play, but, man, explosive, powerful, athletic to break through all those prep defenders. And now they have great field position with a minute 39 left and, a t- and not a lot of feel between them and the end zone. At the 25-yard line, he got through what what appeared to be a wedge of some kind. It was a, a, a heck of a wall that was put up by the caravan, and he found just a little bit of a seam and broke through that seam. We were very lucky that uh, Reed was in the position that he was in. He grabbed him at about the uh, 45-yard line, and almost it took him 10 full yards to pull him down at the prep's own 45-yard line. And so Anthony Thompson will lead his Mount Carmel option offense back out onto the field. Two receivers to his right, one to his left, and a running back behind him on either side. He will hand this ball off to number 33, Jaquan Boyan, and he will pick up about six yards on that play. So second down, four yards to go, a minute 28 left, and the clock is ticking. So just when this game got into a... Almost a calm rhythm, uh, long possessions by the caravan, quick hits by the, the prep. All of a sudden you get quick hit, quick hit, fast play, fast play, a lot of activity. This is exactly what you want to see in the first game of the season. Both of these teams look like they've, they've worked out the bugs. They're, they're ready to go and, and bring on LaSalle in the case of the prep, right? And also something you need to keep in the back of your mind, Zach Mirabelli for Mount Carmel is an outstanding kicker. The ball is... Anthony Thompson did go out and throw that ball. He tried to find number 80, 85, Coyle Grison, on the play, but there is a flag. It was broken up by John Reed. We were going to have to see. It might have looked like he got a hand on him. It's on the, the flag is against the caravan. It was on the near side of the field, illegal player downfield. And I think the legal player downfield was because you notice that Thompson took a little bit of time. He pumped fake one time. I think one of the linemen probably released early. That's my guess. Because the, the, the penalty was called on the St. Joe's Prep sideline or near the St. Joe's Prep sideline. 
I, I, I'm sure that Gabe Infante wasn't yelling, illegal player down the field. Of course not. None of that gamesmanship, right? No. <laughs> Coach Infante. He does know what he's doing. Yeah. You, you, guys don't need, you guys don't need me to tell you that. Yeah. He's a great coach. We're lucky to have him. Well, and the fun part is is that's the very kind of thing that makes him different. He'll do those little things. He's working the officials. He's working his team. He's keeping his, his coaches engaged all the way through. And that's a big five-yard penalty. And so it will be second down at 15, ball on the 50-yard line for the Mount Carmel Caravan. Just under a minute left. Mount Carmel up by one second down. And it is a reverse little trickeration. Handoff number to number two, and he carries it a long, long way. He is brought down by number 22, Junior Benny Walls, at about the 15-yard line. That was a reverse on the side of Mount Carmel. The ball was picked up by Avery Stafford. Anthony Thompson started running to his right. Uh, Avery Stafford, Saffold, ran behind him, going to the left. He picked up, found a hole in the defensive line, and he took it a long way. First and ten at the twenty yard line. It's at five foot seven. Saffold is so small that he came across the, the the field and they couldn't see him. The linebackers and the defensive backs couldn't see him. By the time he got through the hole, he had a head of steam already, and they had the angle toward the sideline. And so again, in their normal option, two receivers to his right, two to his left. The lefty Anthony Tompkins will come back to throw, but that ball is batted down by that was one big body. That ball is Josh Harris. That was Sean Harris. The name we haven't called too much so far, but he is a huge and vital part of this defensive line. I was just thinking the exact same thing, and the reason why is because Harris is normally on the outside, and they haven't done much in the outside. Everything's been up the middle. Harris is in the outside. But everybody remembers that Harris had that play in the playoffs last year, right? Yes. And, and, and that's the stuff that this kid's capable of doing. He's got great hands. He's fast. And uh, he's, he's the kind of guy that you could see Gabe making specific calls just to employ his skills. Sean Harris jumped up. Huge arms, huge wingspan, and he just batted that ball down. So it will be second and ten from the 20-yard line. Anthony Topkin looked back to throw, but he is swarmed by a load of prep defensive linemen. The main tackle right there by number 58, Eric Hartman, a senior. Big kid, but there were two other prep defensive linemen right there to make that tackle, too. So I'm a little bit surprised here that the last two plays, uh, Thompson's gone back to pass. I mean, we've seen the whole first half being, get your running backs, A.J. Lewis and Joquan Boynton, up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. Let your, let your line do its work. And for some reason, they're, they're, they're letting him pass a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not Frank Lenti. I don't know my, his people as well as he does, obviously. But I would question, why wouldn't you just go back to the same stuff that, by the way, has been working pretty well? And so that will bring up a third and 15 on the 25-yard line. It is 14-13, Mount Carmel with 41 seconds left. Mount Carmel will receive the ball at the start of the second half. There was a timeout called on the field. And we want to bring you back to the scene. It is a beautiful day in Chicago at Toyota Park. The St. Joe's Prep Hawks are taking on the 12-time Illinois State Champions, Mount Carmel Caravan. They won the last two in 2012 and 2013, and I'll tell you, they are ma- definitely making another run at it for 2014. WSJP Student Broadcasting Club of St. Joseph's Prep in Philadelphia. Tim Pergolin giving you the club that plays a senior at the prep. My name is Rich Henkels, the father of a couple of prep students and the moderator of the club, and Bill Abington, the Alumni Relations Director, also with us. He'll be with us at halftime to talk, talk about the game and how this game came about. Tim? And so... Anthony Tompkins does a little delayed run to number 33, Jaquan Boyan, which will bring about third, I'm sorry, yes, that'll bring a fourth down for 
Yeah, it'll be a third down and 11, I think. No, it is fourth down. Four, but it looks like they're just going to let this clock tick out because I think St. Joe's is out of timeouts. So they will let the clock tick until there's about two seconds left for their great outstanding kicker, Zach Mirabelli, to come in for a last-second field goal. Now, Mirabelli, just so you know, folks, is, is, is a tall kid. He's a great kicker. He, he also plays wide receiver, but... Uh, the, the beauty of this kid is he can kick the ball deep. The, the kickoffs have all gone out of the end zone, except for the, the uh, onsides kick, which was an unbelievable kick. And the execution of that was fantastic. Three seconds to go. So that you understand what Chicago, uh, Chicago's Toyota Park is all about, this is where the Chicago Fire plays. They're the MLS team. They have a great history. Apparently they draw extremely well. Um, and the, the Illinois Soccer Hall of Fame shop is across the way as we look at it. We are facing to the southeast. The city of Chicago is, is north of us. It's uh, northeast to about 10 o'clock, and we can see the, the Willis Tower on the, with the two white spires on the top, the communications towers, and, of course, the John Hancock building to the left of that. It's a beautiful skyline. From any view, the Chicago skyline is absolutely spectacular. And we couldn't ask for a better day for football. It's in the low 80s. It was expected uh, earlier this week. They were predicting rain all weekend long, but I've been here since Wednesday night, and it has been spectacular in Chicago. The prep parents that are here, a lot of them did make the trip. I'd say there's probably three, 400 of them that did make the trip. They had a couple of great events over the last day or two, We'll ask Bill Abney to fill us in on, on those things and how they went. But uh, a great experience to, to get the season started. And let's just hope that uh, for the prep fans out there that Mirabelli doesn't give the caravan something else to root for here in the final three seconds of the first half, Tim. So with three seconds left, Mirabelli will come out. This is his first field goal attempt of the game. Now, we did see him pregame, and he was booting him from however far you want. And so Gabe Infante, with again a little bit of gamesmanship, will ice Mirabelli. He calls his last time out of the first half and really could not ask for a better day. Absolutely not. The people here have been um, very gracious. Um, I want to say real quickly a thank you to uh, a gentleman, Jim Morrissey, who's the sports information director, Bill. Is that his kind of role, you think? Something like that. Let you kind of. This is a, again a, a guy who worked with St. Joseph's Prep to let us do the broadcast first of all, but give us some information. I ran into him in the tunnel. He's the one who gave me all our data that we're reading off of. So big thanks to Jim Morrissey. And um, just to put this game in perspective, uh, uh, or this team, um, their primary. Their primary rival is St. Rita's, uh, you know, Chicago Catholic League. That's their primary rival. It's much the same way LaSalle is for us. And this game is a bonus game for them. They, they don't expect to get games of this caliber this fast in the season, but they're certainly relishing the opportunity. Now, St. Joe's Prep, in the past three years, have made these destination games to open up the season. Two years ago in, uh, in, against Coco in Florida, last year against Dallas Jesuit down in Dallas, and this year in Chicago. Three great destinations for sure. So Mirabelli will line up for the kick, and this will be about a 39-yarder. The kick is, it is not what we have expected from Mirabelli. It is low and to the left. Must have been something wrong with the hold, and that will bring us into halftime with the score. 14-13, Mount Carmel Caravan up one point on your St. Joe's Prep Hawks. A lot to take away from both sides of the floor, and now we bring in our founder, uh, director of, Alumni Relations, Bill Abington, for the halftime show. 
Thank you very much, Tim. Tim Pergolin, a senior and one of the one of the original members of the Student Broadcasting Club. Tim has done a tremendous job. He's the president of the club, and Ben Olszewski is the vice president. A couple of the juniors and sophomores of, of, of name uh, worth mentioning, Jack Rayner, who's not here, um, Michael Fleur, who's not here, Stephen Bradley, who's not here, Aiden Donahue, who wasn't able to make it. These are names of young men who came with us last year, got involved with the Student Broadcasting Club, uh, a great opportunity for them to, to get involved in, in, in broadcasting in general, but, but also in the school that they love. And all of these young men have, have really one guy to thank more than anybody else, and that's the gentleman who joins me right now, Bill Abington, uh, Director of Alumni Relations, uh, obviously a prep grad. And, and Bill, just sitting here in the press box looking out at the field on a beautiful day in August, you've got to be shaking your head saying, you know, I'm, I'm really glad I said something to, to Gabe about this game. <laughs> tell the folks at home, welcome, and tell the folks at home how this game Came about. Well, thanks, Rich. Yeah, I wish I could take uh, take more credit, to take all that credit. But uh, uh, about a year ago, a guy named Jay Harron from class of '89 was in the, to to see the prep again. He was making a visit, and and I know him. I'm class of '90, so he's, he was a year ahead of me. And he said, you know, I'd love to get the prep football team out to Chicago. And uh, I brought him down to meet Coach Infante, and they chat. And of course, Coach Infante has the uh, the old John Cheney method, I'll play anybody anywhere as long as, as, long as it can make my team better. And uh, when Coach Infante came into the program in, uh, four years ago, he said this is the blueprint. He was going to give kids experiences that would let go beyond the football field. So, you know, as uh, Tim just mentioned, we opened a couple years ago in Orlando. We opened a couple last year in Dallas, and now this year he said, sure, I'm in. Um, so Tim made a call. Really, Tim was trying to – or I'm sorry, Jay was trying to hook us up with uh, Loyola which is the Jes- our Jesuit brothers here in Chicago, a very good football program, and again, Mount- one of Mount Carmel's uh, bigger opponents. Uh, they had already had a game scheduled for Marquette, so Jay being an intrepid prepper who doesn't take no for an answer, so well, who else can I get? Calls Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel said, look, we play in this, t- this triple header every year. We have a couple feelers out, but the chance for them to play St. Joe's Prep was too great to pass up. They kind of said to those folks, hey, sorry, not available this year, and they say, yeah, come on out. So that's how the game came up, a guy named Jay Harron, and then you know, he was instrumental last night. We had a dinner here for the, the Chicago alumni. About a dozen, 15 guys showed up last night, the parents and then the players and coaches. Wonderful night at St. Ignatius. Uh, not only him, but Tom, Tom McNulty from the class of 69 picked up the phone and called Ignatius. Ignatius gave us this beautiful room. They don't just give that out to anybody, but because we're Jesuit brothers, they gave it to us. And Sean Lyons, a football alum from class of 93, his cousin was the caterer for the event. So it was all in the family last night. And just truly a great weekend. And, again, an experience. And experience like any – like no, not too many schools have this kind of experience to start the season. And, uh, and for our broadcast team to be here in a professional a radio broadcast booth. We're in one of the Chicago Fire uh, broadcast booths. We're on the 45-yard line. Beautiful location. This was the dream, Rich, when you and I chatted last August about how can we give our boys an opportunity to have experiences with the broadcasting. This is it. And, you know, Tim Pergolin was, was nice enough to um, make, the, make the journey out here with us. So we're very excited and very happy to, to be doing here. Well, you know, it's funny, too, you say that. Uh, Tim came out here for a number of reasons. One is to do this, but the, the neat thing about Chicago is there's so many great educational institutions. Um, my family... Uh, 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 
and, and of course, my sons came out here to look at some colleges, and, and their mother came out. Bill, somebody who works with you, you can, yeah. you can mention Beth, because she's been instrumental in a lot of things that go on to make these trips and the communication possible. Absolutely. Beth Vandervenet is um, our director of marketing at the prep, and if anyone's seen our new website, www.sjprep.org, sees the work that Beth has done for the last three months. Um, so, yeah, she's made the trip out here, and I know a lot of college tours out this way. Um, we're, we're very lucky at St. Joe's Prep to have talented people who you know, could probably be working anywhere and, and choose to come to the prep, believe in our mission, and, and just uh, are there for our boys. And, and this is, a, you know, again, uh, an experience. I, I, I talk to so many people like, you know, you're going out to Chicago for, for yeah. your football team? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and these alums, I, I've met so many alums over the past couple of days, guys who I knew via email or via phone or you know, had seen you know, a couple times a year maybe. They are so happy to be watching St. Joe's Prep play football in their new hometown. And they're all out here with their prep gear. They're out here with their Philly shirts. They're, they're just feeling the Philly pride, and, and we're just real happy to be able to brought that. And, you know, you've got to give Coach Infante and the coaching staff uh, a lot of credit that they're willing to make this journey with these boys. And uh, this is not easy for anybody. It's logistical. You know, Gabe Infante is a man coaching the team and also the, the traveling secretary. He's, yeah. he's checking in the hotels. He's doing airfares, but it's worth it's the experience and it's why the program is so successful. Well, you're absolutely right. And the other thing that you have to remember, and the folks at home and the, and, and the parents of kids who play football, you know, there's really two kinds of kids on the team. They're the kids who are using football as a vehicle to get them to college or to the next phase of their life. And, and you know that there's, there's probably 10 to 20 kids on that roster who have a really good shot at the next level. There's probably 6 to 10 that have a real good shot at Division One football. Some have already committed. John Runyon, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Reed. Uh, John Reed. These mm-hmm. kids are all committed uh, to, to playing somewhere at this point. And what's neat about this is for the kids that are, this is a great experience for them next year. Mm-hmm. They'll already be familiar with the big trip, the, the need to stay focused, the need to stay in your regiment, the need to, to do all the things that are programmatic and formulaic. And that's what makes successful programs. And the kids that aren't moving on, this is a chance of a lifetime. Yep. It's a chance to go to Pittsburgh last year, win a state championship, feel the glory, dance on the field at mm-hmm. Hershey Park, enjoy it, knowing that the Bill O'Briens of the world are watching you play that yep. night, all those kinds of experiences. But guess what? Next year, I'm going to be at a college, maybe a big college, and I'll be a fan now. Yep. So you're looking at things entirely differently. It's going to be, it's a great experience. And one of the things that I've found fun and, uh, is that, you know, we came out because my son Jack is a senior and my other son's a sophomore. We're taking advantage of this trip to, to look at some schools. We went up to Marquette, of course, another Jesuit uh, institution. Mm-hmm. And a magnificent place, the friendliest people you'd ever, I mean, typically Midwest. Right. We went to Loyola, Chicago, which you, you went to as well. I did, yeah. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if your son is at St. Joe's Prep, remember that just how alive and well the Jesuit Ignatian connections are because there's scholarship money out there, and, and, and you will feel as though you're walking into an extension to St. Joe's Prep when you visit these, these schools. It's really been a, a magnificent experience for us. We also went to the Medill School of Journalism, uh, mm-hmm. which we thought was just really, it's almost surreal because they're talking about all the alums who, of course, are the top names in, in the journalism world. So sure. anyway, we, we've talked a lot about what this trip means and what it's about. So you're, you're listening to Rich Hankles and Bill Abingdon, Director of Alumni uh, uh, Relations for St. Joseph's Prep. It's halftime, about eight minutes to go in the halftime. Uh, 14-13, Mount Carmel leading St. Joseph's Prep here at Toyota Field, Toyota Park, 
in the southwest side of Chicago. Beautiful day for football. We're having a wonderful time. Bill, uh, we'll do a recap of the scoring drives in a minute, but your take on the play. It just seemed like we had two completely different games in that first half, didn't we? We did, and, and you know, again, the prep quick strike capabilities were really on, in, in, on display in that first half. What, what surprised me is, uh, you know, this, this Mount Carmel team, we kept hearing, obviously they're outstanding. They've won the, this two back-to-back state championships, 12 12 state championships, I was surprised at how easily they were able to run through our defense, which is our run defense has been a pretty good uh, stalwart lately. So they're a big, big team. I know Gabe Infante was uh, concerned about that, their, their size, uh, and they certainly show that. And they're also, as you guys were mentioning during the broadcast, very well coached, very well disciplined. So uh, we, we certainly have our, our hands full with this team. We knew that coming in. But one of the things that surprised me is we had heard they had 17 starters graduate last year Absolutely. so we thought they'd be rebuilding and truth is uh and they just uh, i assume they just reloaded uh you know which um, is what good programs do absolutely uh, you know that quarterback you know he, he comes in anthony thompson uh, this is as, as tim pergolin said they've had three starting quarterbacks over the last three years why well because the guys who are playing as backups or the guys who are playing jv they're doing the same things over and it's yeah. that's what good programs do and that's what gabe infante appears to have already done absolutely and you know gabe just again he brings it brings in talent uh you know four years in a row we've had you know, incoming freshmen offered college scholarships i mean that's incredible and it's just the kind of talent that uh gabe infante's program is attracting and because he's he's he came in with the idea of he was going to establish a program here, not just a, a football team, and he was going to you know, make it. So this was, a, uh, this was, again, you weren't coming to play for that team. You were coming to play for St. Joe's Prep program. And Gil Brooks had done that before, Coach Infante, and uh, you know, Gabe Infante's just kind of taking the mantle and, and taking it to another level. And it, it's very special um, you know, to be here, to be in this stadium, and I, I, you, I've said it already, the experience that these kids are going to have, this is a beautiful park. You know, you said it was about 20,000 seats. Um, you know, Mount Carmel brought 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 a lot of fans with them. Uh, their cheerleaders are there. They have a student section. I mean, this is this is a great atmosphere for football. And and then next week we're going to come home and play Don Bosco at home. So that's going to be an easier game because of this this experience. Well, let, let, let's hope it's a better experience than last year when yeah. we went up to Don Bosco, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> let's recap real quickly the scoring drives. Uh, Bill, uh, the first drive was. Uh, 52 yards, uh, Zacchaeus, the 37-yard rush, uh, time of the drive, 127. Uh, in essence, that was, uh, that's the prep offense in a nutshell. Quick yeah. shots and Quick boom. Quick shot. And they have, I mean, you can just see the speed of this game um, certainly benefits the prep. I mean, if you were looking at advantages, the prep speed, offensively and defensively, has been incredible. And uh, Zacchaeus just found a hole, and he beat him. And, and uh, you know, it, you just see, even on defense, when the, the Mount Carmel has had to come out of their option because the speed of our guys, they're get, we're getting in the backfield too fast. They haven't been able to run their option nearly as much as I think they would like. So they've gone to the air, and they've been successful. Um, but I think they were hoping to run, the, run more, a little more of the option, but our speed, I think, neutralized that. And they took advantage, of the prep did on that first drive, of a, a, a series of, of mistakes. Our first possession was an intercepted pass, and their first possession was a fumble. So we took over the ball on the 45-yard line and ended up scoring very, and you, very you quickly. Can, and you can see that opening game jitters are going to happen. Yep. And so you know, early on, you know, Jack Clemens threw a ball up for grabs. And, and then, you know, got the ball right back. And as you guys mentioned, sometimes that can be an advantage because we actually gained 30 yards. We got the ball instead of on the 20, we got the ball on the 50. That's so, right. um, 
you know, and and to get the ball right back to get a turnover, how to give Jack a little bit of, of uh, confidence to run the offense. And then the second drive was Mount Carmel's. They came right back doing exactly what we expected. 12 plays, 72 yards, took 7 minutes and 12 seconds off the clock. Thompson got a one-yard TD rush to tie it up at 7-7. They came back in the second quarter, 10 plays, 78 yards, a TD play uh, by Bunton, a one-yard run, 14-7. The big play, of course, being Lewis, uh, A.J. Lewis, bounced off the middle, bounced off two guys in the, in the middle of the line, and then whirled to the left corner, ended up getting tackled by John running at the one that led to the score 14 to 7 it really looked like Mount Carmel was in a rhythm and mm-hmm. then out of the blue we have that funky onsides kick it was a pooch kick ladies and gentlemen by the kicker extremely well executed by the kicker but the better play was by Justin Montague who calls for a fair catch yeah. that is really smart football I don't think of, I can't think of any 17 year old I know personally, who would have had the, the thought process, the peace of mind, the presence of the game, to call for a fair catch right. in that situation. Yeah, and it was I mean, as you, you called it, I mean that, that's a touchdown the other way if he does not do that. Um, such an athletic play by Mount Carmel, such a smart play, and their kicker has been kicking the ball you know, you know, in, through the end zone all game, so there's no reason to expect that he wouldn't do the same thing there, and he th- kicks that little pooch punt, their guy runs right through it, and, and just basically you know, uh, takes it, stacks it out of the air and takes it all the way down. Yeah, absolutely, and that, the fair catch was a huge play. And we, we, we forgot to mention, uh, Rich, that Prep had a touchdown called back. The, uh, John Reed right. ran a punt back for beautiful punt. I'm in the press box with the Chicago Tribune reporter and a reporter from Chicago. I said, hey, this kid John Reed's something special. He, and then he goes, <laughs> returns a punt 55 yards. Unfortunately, it was called back. But, um, you know, a big momentum shift there. Yep. Um, so it could even be a different ball game if that had happened. But, yeah, again, special teams is so important. And Justin Montague making that fair catch changed the, changed the whole dimension of this game. And then the ball was resting at the 50 when Alameda Zacchaeus gets a screen pass. And that play, while Zacchaeus ran the 50 yards, Jack Clements was the guy who made the play because he had four guys breathing down on him. He proved to be extremely patient and had the perfect touch on that pass. Yeah, and that was so important. And, you know, in that, in that situation, you need to wait as long as you can to draw those defenders to you. And, you know, and you, need, you need touch, you need feel for the game, and, and Jack did a great job. And, again, this is new for Jack. And I know he got a couple games last year in some pressure situations against Malvern, against Frankfurt. Didn't look great in those situations, so you wondered how, how it was going to maybe come, come forward here. That was a huge play, and I hope that adds to his uh, confidence level. Again, this is a game, you know, you want to win, obviously, and, and obviously we hope the prep wins this game. But more than a win here on the scoreboard, you got you got to know what you got in Jack Clements. You got to know what you got in these guys. And Jack, with that play, was just uh, an outstanding patience. And uh, you know he's got to learn to run an offense. You know we this team, St. Joe's Prep, relied on Chris Martin last year, and we saw that when he was out, when he missed the Malvern game, that was a loss for the Prep. When he missed the Frankfurt. the Frankfurt game, we the Prep squeaked out a 10-7 win. And those are things that you know. And then when Chris Martin came back, we were a different team. Absolutely. So. You know, and I've been saying all along, people say, oh, the prep, the prep's going to be great. I said, you know, the one thing that I worry about is replacing Chris Martin. And, and Jack Clemens, I think, you know, has the ability. Obviously, Coach thinks he has the ability. We saw it there. But, you know, you could see the nerves a little bit. He threw a couple balls up for grabs. Um, certainly not, not uh, throwing the ball as well as I think anybody would like to see him. But, again, you know, 14-13 at the half. 
against one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. Can't complain at all. Yep. So the, the prep is uh, taking the field right now to, uh, to do their warm-ups before the second half. The score again is 14-13. Uh, to 13. Mount Carmel leading St. Joe's Prep after two quarters of football here in the season opening game of the 2014 season. Bill, thanks very much for joining us in halftime. Right. We'll have you on the air at the end of the game more than likely, too. Yep. Uh, by the way, folks, we're going to try to get Gabe and Fonte and some of the players on the, on the broadcast at the end of the game if we can do that. So we're going to have a couple people trying to manage that. And we're going to bring Tim Pergolin back yep. in right now. But and, before uh, I get back to Tim, I want to say thank you to Rich for uh, being here, making the effort to come out to Chicago. Again, this broadcast team uh, was our dream last August, and we want to give kids experiences like this. And, and Timmy took advantage of it and came out to Chicago, and he's sitting in an MLS press box broadcasting a game from Chicago. Um, when I was in high school, you know, I would have I been on cloud nine had the opportunity to do something like this. So I'm glad Tim took the opportunity. We got other guys doing the Twitter and the press box. Jack Henkels, your son, Van Henkels. They're in a, I mean, this is an opportunity for guys to do – I mean, NFL teams are doing this. Division one college football kids are doing this. Not a lot of high school students. So thank you to you. I, I remember standing in the foyer of the prep with a cell phone. You and I making this plan to make this happen. Joe Krause jumped in. Thank you to Joe. All this equipment is thanks to Joe. We'd be doing it on uh, tin cans and string if it weren't for Joe Krause. So we owe everybody a, lot, a great debt of, uh, of thanks. And to the St. Joe's Prep community for supporting us. You know, the, the school gave us a budget this year for us to do some things we wanted to do. Yep. So we're very blessed and lucky, and I hope you're enjoying the broadcast wherever you guys are. And we love the feedback. And, and uh, you know, we just got to keep growing. And, and all the guys who are back home and didn't make the trip, you know, we got a lot of opportunities next week and the week after Don Bosco and et cetera. So, you know, keep it coming and keep listening to the broadcast. Thank you very much, Bill. And uh, uh, he just referred to the folks that are still back home that are part of the club. I think Tim Pergolin can say it even better than I, that, gentlemen, you are here in spirit. You were with us all last year during the run to the state championship, and there's not a moment in this game where we're not thinking, how would Jack Rayner call this? How would Michael Fleur call this? How would Ben Olszewski call this? Uh, and there are many others, so I'm not going to try to name every guy in the club. But, but, Tim, I'll let you say to them what it's like for you, and, and let's bring it on this season and have a great season of uh, prep broadcasting. Well, uh, I would like to point out that the broadcast club is actually one for one. One season, one state championship. I mean, I don't want to make any conclusions that we're the reason, but I, I don't mean, know what I'm not going to say we're not. It, coincidental? Who knows? Who knows, right? We might be the lucky charm. You know what I do want to do while they're warming up real quickly? Um, I want to I put the microphone on, on our newest member of the club. Dan? I'm going to let you record, uh, talk about our stats real quick. Keep an eye on the clock. 2.15 to go. Uh, this is Dan Abingdon, a freshman joining the club. Dan, welcome aboard. Tim Pergolin's going to ask you a question or two. Give us some stats, buddy. Okay, so this Mount Carmel offense has really been based around two guys. They've also been on special teams, but they're two running backs, always lining up behind Tompkins, A.J. Lewis and Jaquan Boyne. What are some numbers on them? Well, A.J. Lewis has 10 carries for 74 yards. He's been the power back for them. He's just been going out and running good runs and following his blockers using yeah. his size. Perfect. And Button, he has 11 carries for 63 yards. He's the one who's in there getting those little carries and just powering straight through the defensive line. Now, this quarterback, Anthony Tompkins, I'm not sure the prep has seen too much of him. He, or, or guys even like him, you know, obviously from Chicago we don't have film on him or as, as experienced as it would be a guy like Shermer from LaSalle who we see twice a year sometimes. So a guy like Thompson, who is a lefty, a, more of a runner than a thrower, what are, what are some of his stats? Well, he ha- he's had six carries for negative two yards. He's had a couple of QB runs and 
he's been sacked a couple times because he's kind of indecisive. Yeah, a couple broken down plays that he's just had to make work somehow. That it's actually good that you know he didn't go out of lose too much or lose the ball or things like that. Now some of our power guys, a guy like Olamide Sakaias, committed to Virginia. He is a main part of this prep, not only offense but on team. Sometimes lighting a hand on defense. What it, and he's had you know a couple big runs, a touchdown run for the prep's first first touchdown. What are some stats you got on him? He's had two carries for 39 yards. His one carry was for 37 yards for a touchdown, and he's had one reception for 50 yards on a great play by Jack Clemens. So now, you have been watching this entire game. You've been keeping stats. You've been, you've been very vigilant of what happened. Finish this sentence. The prep will win the game if... If Alameda Zacchaeus keeps doing those great runs and if Jack Clemens starts making his passes. Yes. I, I would have to... I would. I would. I like your offensive points. I would have to switch mine to the defense. We need to find a way to force these guys to three and outs. They are doing long, long drives, making our defense tired. They're gassed. They're out of breath, and it is just grueling for them to have to come on onto the field. So time has just ended for this halftime period, and it is 14-13. And so, as some of you may know, as the prep is ready to go and take a field. The St. Joe's Prep Hawks have recently been featured on the NFL Network, profiling their style of play and tackling on defense using the heads-up style of tackling. Heads-up is the U.S. national initiative to help, make the start of, to help make the sport of football better and safer. For more information about heads-up football, log on to www.usafootball.com slash heads-up. And so, this, this prep defense, we have seen them play awesome sometimes last year. Just, like, knock them down. They, defenses can't get 10 yards on them sometimes. But this defense has been run, 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 and have ran all over them at some points. And so Nick Bill will start to kick off for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. Gabe Infante will send his defense back out onto the field to see if they can cause a three and out or a turnover for these Mount Carmel caravans. And Rich Henkels has rejoined us. Thank you, Dan Abington, for your stats. And we will bring him back on after the game for some post-game stats as well. What we're hoping to do at the end of the game, folks, is uh, get some interviews with some players and, and maybe uh, Coach Gabe Infante. Uh, as you know, when you're on the road, uh, winning and losing can make a big difference in, in, in terms of your receptiveness to the media and questions and things like that. But as long as we have our system up and operational, we can go ahead and, 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 and pull up callers as they come in. We'll be in real good shape, and we'll try to make that happen. Uh, by the way, Tim Pergolin is also serving as our engineer here. So uh, the man is multi-talented and being forced into action all the way across the board. Here's the kickoff for the second half. Take it away, Tim. Well, Nick Bill will kick off from our left to our right. St. Joe's Prep in their whites at Toyota Field in Chicago. 14-13 game, and it is the start of the second half. The ball will be recovered by Avery Stafford, who runs into a pile of defensemen and bodies, and he is brought down by Justin Montague. Boy, Montague is really playing really, really well. I mean, he's, he's, we talked at halftime about that smart play on the kickoff return, and he's made some great open field tackles. He and Dylan Deulius specifically, you know, 10, 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think Bill Abington was right when he talked about the speed of the prep kind of changing the game plan maybe of Mount Carmel. I would imagine Mount Carmel's going to go back to that grinding ground game that we saw in the first half. And so they do line up in their normal option formation. Two receivers to Tompkins' right, two running backs behind him. And he is barking out commands to his big offensive line. 
He will keep this himself. Ooh. He goes for the pitch, but he is hit as he pitched the ball by number, tw by number 22, Benny Walls. He got behind the line, and he hit Thompson as he was going to pitch the ball. Mel Carmel did recover, but it is a big loss of yards. And I just want to point everyone's attention to number 22, Benny Walls. Get used to us hearing that name. Take it away, Rich. It, it, uh, you, you just said exactly what I was thinking. When I went down on the field before the game, and I asked uh, John Runyon, uh, Big John's uh, father, uh, for the, a rundown, out of the blue, he talked about a lot of guys I know, you know, Jake Strain, his son, and he says, by the way, Benny Walls, watch out. He's tough as nails. He's had a great training camp. He's ready to Transfer go. from Camden Catholic, going to be a huge addition to that prep secondary. That already is pretty good. Thompson lining up the pass, and he holds it for a long time, stays in the pocket, which we have not really used to see. He looked for a pass in the pocket, sort of scrambled around, and he got about three yards, maybe four yards on the carry, and that will make it third and nine for Mount Carmel with one minute into the second half. Now, what's interesting about that play, folks, is that he only had three receivers downfield, and only one of them, his uh, tight end, was out to the left side, uh, Stephen Wurzel. He was the only one out to the left side of the field. Thompson only looked to the right. And when you only got three guys out, you, you've got to be able to look at the whole field. But clearly, they don't throw as much. So I, I think what they do is it's a conservative throwing attack. They thought maybe they'd find something, and they didn't on this play. But maybe also throwing just to open up the run. Make Very sure, possible. Make sure reading guys like Benny Walls aren't pinching too much. And so Tompkin again will go out the throw, and he finds a receiver for about a six-yard game. That receiver was number 91 for Mount Carmel. 81. 81, I'm sorry. That was number 81 there's a number of guys out yeah. there. Bobby Stasitis. Bobby Stasitis. And he was pulled down by who? Dylan Deulius. One-on-one coverage. Deulius makes the stop. That's why he's the captain. About fourth and one yard. St. Joe's Prep does send out their punt return offense, but they have to be very vigilant. It is only one yard between them and a first down. Tim, am I correct to say that this is the first punt we've seen? Yes. It is, but yes. now Carmel. First punt for they, had a, they, had, they had two drives no, 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 in no, excess. No, no. They, did, they did have one punt. Did they have one half. punt before? Yeah. We we'll remember the ball bounced around, Reed. That's correct. Yes. The one that was called back from a touchdown. And so DeAndre Swift will head back. St. Joe's Prep is very close to the line. They are making sure there is no trickeration going on. Trickeration? That's a great word. <laughs> uh, it will be a punt Ooh. almost blocked by Dylan DeOlius. Clearly mad he did not get there quicker. DeAndre Swift lets it bounce, and it will bounce to the 16-yard line. Man, Dylan was angry he did wow. not get to that ball. And you can see it. He, 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 he's getting smacked on the shoulders by everybody, man. He was as close to blocking that punt as you can imagine. And what's beautiful is the angle in which he took. It was clear that he, he knows what he has to do in order to not get a penalty, not hit, run into the kicker, or, or get a, you know, an interference penalty. So Jack Clemens will head back out onto the field to lead the St. Joe's Prep Hawks for the first time in the second half. With nine minutes left in the second quarter, St. Joe's Prep is down one to the Mount Carmel Caravan, 14 to 13. Jack Clemens in his normal shotgun, two to his right, only one receiver to his left. He will hand the ball off to, it looks like, number seven, DeAndre Swift. He just runs into a wall of offensive and defensive white shirts and brown shirts, about four yards on the carry, second down. So Swift being a little bit stronger, uh, he's the guy that we're going to try to give the ball and, and, and run it up the middle with. Reed and Alameda are going around the ends and, and, and hitting gaps and things like that. It's been Swift in the backfield when we've had run, one running back. Last year it was Vince Moffitt in that situation. So very hurry up offense, two receivers to his left, one to his right with DeAndre Swift lined up next to him. 
Jack Clemens will look to his right, and he finds John Reed on the about the 25-yard line. He will be brought down. That might not make the first down, but it is very close. Third down. We've talked a lot about open field tackles, and in that case, we had a very good open field tackle by one of the defensive players for Mount Carmel, number 45. It made a great stop on that play. That was Troy Wissenhofer. Again, one of the captains of the team. He was one-on-one with John Reed. I wouldn't want to be a one-on-one with John Reed anywhere. And so Jack Clemens again with two to his right, one to his left. This is kind of like the Alabama pistol offense where he is shotgun, but there's still a running back behind him. He hands it off to DeAndre Swift. It was a first down, first and ten. So that'll bring up second and about nine yards. Tim, that was a pretty kind spot because I don't think John Reed went over the 25-yard line. But they gave him that spot, and that's, that, that's big because otherwise that would have been a third and one instead of a first and ten. And so... They have definitely came in with a more running approach to start off the second half, at least. With 7.45 left in the third quarter, Jack Clemens still in the shotgun. He will take this and look to throw. He finds a receiver that looks to be Junior Terrence Green on the catch, and he he caught it short, but he found his way to the first down. First down, St. Joe's Prep. Uh, Terrence Green did something very intelligent there. He tucked the ball right away. Because he was only so deep as the linebacking core of Mount Carmel. Those are big boys. Tucking the ball, controlling it, making sure that you're not vulnerable is important. And he did just that. First down on their own 38-yard line for St. Joe's Rep. And they are marching this drive. It is a handoff to DeAndre Swift, who's going east to west. He finds a couple yards, but not much on the 40-yard line. Second down, seven yards. I, I like these officials because they spotted that all the way up at the 41. And, you know, I, I think that... Um, they're giving him a benefit of the doubt on some of these, and Swift did get his shoulder down pretty well and ended up picking up three and a half yards in the equation. He's taking some time looking for those holes as he goes around the end, too. And so this hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, much as we've seen in the past couple of years in Coach Gabe Infante's system. Clemens lines up two to his left, one to his right. And he will hand this ball off to Olamide Sikais, who does not get much, if anything, third down. Hawks. I'd say the transfer between Clements and Zacchaeus there wasn't quite as clean as they wanted. I don't think Clements was sure whether he wanted to give it to Zacchaeus. He had his head up and he was looking. Again, that's the difference between Martin and Clements, I think. And so Jack Clemens will line up on a third down, about six yards to go. And this with three receivers to his right, one to his left, and a running back lined up next to him. Clemens take the snap, and he looks for Swift first, but he finds John Reed on a screen going up the middle. John Reed looks straight at the secondary, but broke to the side, and he is going all the way down the sideline. A dive at his feet, but will not catch him. Touchdown, St. Joe's Prep, and they have taken the lead with six minutes to go in the third quarter. Man, that was a great play. Jack Clemens was looking, 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 and he finds John Reed, and it was a little screen, the second touchdown we've seen on a screen so far this game. So he finds Reed on a screen, who goes straight, sees the defenders, chooks to the right really quick, down the sideline, no catching him. The difference on that play versus the other screen is that screen was a little dump over the middle. It was a little delay, but it was a dump over the middle so that Reed was cutting to the center of the field as opposed to going to the outside, which is what Zacchaeus did on the, primary, on the, on the prior one. 
Now, the, the prep is going for two here. Why? Well, because they, they didn't get the, the, the conversion on the last touchdown, so they're gambling. They didn't get it up 20, 21 to 14 at this two-point conversion. Now, they line up in the I formation with only one receiver to his right, and he will not hand the ball off. He is looking. He finds someone in the corner, and that is caught for the two-point conversion. That was caught by, wow. looks to be... That was just fantastic execution. Fantastic that was caught by number 40, 45. And who 45, else but Joe Dumont. Dumont. Remember Joe I said, Dumont yeah, the there you go. Order. Now this is where Gabe Infante ends up using the guys that they're not going to expect. Dumont came from the tight end position, and while everything was going to the right, they had the wide receiver split to the right, Tim. Everybody's going to the right. Dumont curves up into the corner. Clements with the arm that he's got, was able to just to loft it up there. It was a beautifully executed play, and we only were uh, one series in, and now the prep has had a long drive. Now, it, it, from up here to me, it looks like the prep has came out with a ton and ton of energy to start the second quarter, and Mount Carmel has been slow to get off after the half. I think they, there must have been an adjustment, because the key to that drive was the defensive stop. Yes. Uh, Mount Carmel didn't expect us to come out and shut them down, but I wouldn't have expected Mount Carmel to be throwing the ball. What's neat is that drive included a whole bunch of different things. Short passes, runs, uh, throws to the outside, throws down the middle. Real, real mixing it up on offense. That, that drive reminded me a ton of the first drive of the Central Catholic game, or the, of halftime at the Central Catholic game. It was a very, very close game, and then St. Joe's Prep comes out, huge defensive stop, and then goes and scores on their own with a big play. So the, this is not something new we've seen from Coach Haven Fonte. He knows how to motivate his guys. And we saw the pitcher of Central Catholic game. It was not close after that. And so it is 21-14 St. Joe's Prep with six minutes left in the third quarter. Nick Bill kicks the ball off, and it received at about the 15-yard line, and he is stopped at the 25. And, and St. Joe's Prep's defense will head back out onto the field, hoping they had a similar result as last time. So a recap on that drive, ladies and gentlemen. It was the first possession of the second half of the prep. 84 yards, 21-14 to 14, the, the score after the two-point conversion. Touchdown was Clements to Reed for 59 yards. Two-point conversion to Joe Dumont. Seven plays on the drive. So the score now, 21-14. to 14. Again, this is St. Joe's Prep leading Mount Carmel. We're at Chicago Toyota Park. Uh, where the MLS team plays, and it's a beautiful field uh, just outside of Chicago on the southwest corner of town. Ball's now in Mount Carmel's hands, Tim. And so they lined up again in their normal option motion. It was handed off to Jaquan Boynton right there. Not much there, about two yards, second down and eight from their own 27-yard line. I think the Mount Carmel fans, the caravan as they call themselves, are a little bit quiet over there, which is... Uh, Maybe, you know, this is a little bit of a shock to them, probably, because as much as they might have heard about St. Joe's Prep, uh, there's a sense of uh, uh, indomitability or whatever you want to call it. They, they, there's a confidence on that sideline, and, and I'm sure that they're not even the least bit concerned about their circumstances now. And so, again, in their normal option, Thompson will go back to pass, and he goes on a little, on a little sideways route to number 23, A.J. Lewis. A.J. Lewis took from his spot in his normal at the running back position just broke to the left uh, Thompson looked for him but the ball was dropped and that will bring up third down 
excuse me, the, the key play there, Sean Harris. Number eight coming in with his hands held high. You know, if that ball's caught, it's a different story, but that quarterback, who isn't a throwing quarterback typically, had to get that ball a little bit high because Harris was there going in for the ball. And what did we see earlier in the, in the first half? We saw Harris going in and doing what? Knocking down a pass. And so... Make sure to join us as your St. Joe's Prep Hawks open up the Philadelphia Catholic League play on October 11th against the rival LaSalle Explorers as they begin their journey for back-to-back PCL championships. There was a long time in the huddle, timeout Mount Carmel, and they seem to be just a little bit rattled as this prep fan base lets them hear it. So there's about 150 to 250 uh, prep fans here, mostly parents, I have to think. But there's a few of the students made the trip out, and we know a lot of people are down at the Jersey Shore doing what they do at the Jersey Shore and wherever else they spend their Labor Day holiday. And, and I do want to take just a moment to say uh, best wishes to everybody as they enjoy the last weekend of summer prior to the school year beginning. If you're like me, you're very proud of your son's going to the, the prep and, and experiencing the Ignatian experience and the Jesuit educational experience. Uh, I have two sons there, a sophomore and a junior, or a sophomore and a senior now, and, and I, can't, uh, say, I can't say enough about what I've seen uh, from the prep in terms of education and all the other experiences that my kids have gotten from it. So enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and when your kids get back to school, the teachers and faculty will be ripping and raring to go to, to get them uh, thinking the right way as they approach the 2014-2015 school year. And so we will resume play third and seven from their own 27-yard line as Mount Carmel lines up in their normal option set. Five minutes, 11 seconds left in the third quarters. The Hawks are up 21-14 to on the Mount Carmel caravan. And so Tompkins will hand the ball again on that reverse that we've seen, and he again breaks it for a very big gain. That ball was handed off on the reverse to, again, Avery Safford and that might have been the same play that we saw earlier that broke loose. That's exactly the play. Again, he's a little guy. That's a big front line. Their front line is 6'4 across. You've got Avery Saffold, who's 5'7, who's and he's getting an inside handoff. They can't see him. The linebackers can't see him, and the defensive secondary can't see him. By the time he comes through the hole, he's got a gap in front of him, and on top of that, he's got a head of speed. At their own 45 yard line, Anthony Thompson lines up yelling out commands to his offensive line and to his receivers. He goes, and it is a handoff very quickly to number 33, Jaquan Boyton, who stopped after about a four-yard game. And that's what we've seen all game. They are making their way through the defensive line, picking off four or five yards at a time, and then every once in a while, breaking out for 20. Which is exactly what a, a spread offense does. When, when, you're, when you're running an option like that, you're, you're banking on the fact that you're going to get you know, a couple, you know, five, two yards in a cloud of dust, two yards in a cloud of dust, 14 yards. You know, that kind of mentality, and that's what we've seen here. So second down, five yards to go at their own 49-yard line for the Mount Carmel Caravan. Tompkins takes the snap. He keeps it himself on the option. He pitches it out to A.J. Lewis, but he is tackled right away by Dylan Deolius. And John and Reed is down. Injury. John Reed is down, and, and, and he... I, I think he got jarred pretty good. He hit pretty hard. There's no question about that. So John Reed is down on the field, and there is an injury timeout. Boy, that can that is going to be a tough loss if he cannot continue for the rest of this game. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. He, he, he made a big hit. Uh, it was a one-on-one play, uh, clean tackle on his own, open field all the way across with 3.54 to go here in the third. The prep leading Mount Carmel. 
21 to 14 in the season opener for both teams. Prep, of course, heading back to Philadelphia to open up their home season against Don Bosco. Uh, Tim, I'll, I'll take it off track for a moment and, and think about how different this team is from the team we saw last year at Don Bosco. Now, there is a similarity. We're on the road this year starting out what looks like to be a very, very good game. Maybe it's a win, maybe it's not. Either way, it's a great game. And last year, we went on the road and and blew out the Dallas Jesuit school. But then we went up to Don Bosco and just got our, 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 our heads handed to us. So this is, a, this is interesting, and it'll be fascinating to see how the team can build on this experience going into that game, which is a home game. Well, as you said, it is similar, but it's also different. It is similar. We come in off a tough, competitive game away, and then we're going straight back to Bosco. It's different for the first part is we know what to expect. We know Bosco is going to come in, and they are going to give us a game. No matter where the field is, no matter... No matter what the score is at any point in the game, as John Reed gets up to a warm reception, we know Bosco is coming to play. But also it's different. We're home this time. I've heard many, many, many times that it was a very hostile environment at Don Bosco. Now it's going to come home. The Plymouth White March, our home, the student section, we know it's going to be wild up. It's going to have everyone there. And this team is experienced now. John Reed does not want to lose to Don Bosco twice. John Runyon does not want to lose to Don Bosco twice. Dylan does not want to lose to Don Bosco twice. And now they we, are going to be ready to play. And speaking of Reed, we, he's back off, up off the field, and he's, he's underneath the tarp, a uh, little canopy they have on the sideline. Judging from the way he walked off the field, he wasn't slow. He, he looked like he, he, was, he was nimble. He felt pretty good. As soon as he goes back into the game, we'll let you know. We, we will not get an injury report, though, folks, unfortunately. So it is third and seven for the Mount Carmel Caravan. 340 left. Tompkins goes back to pass, but he was rushed as he threw the ball. That rush was by number 58, Eric Hartman. Burst his way into the into the Mount Carmel backfield. Messed up the throw. Fourth down as they sent out their punting unit. Again, that defensive line is really going to be instrumental in whatever success this team has. Jake Strain had a, a really a breakout year last year. Uh, John Runyon came in and played both ways and played great in the second half. Uh, Eric Hartman, Alec Dirks, all of these guys are going to make an enormous difference. Uh, how we play up front is probably going to go a long way to determine how successful we can be. So Benny Walls was initially back to receive the punt. Instead, DeAndre Swift goes out to receive the punt. The prep in their normal punt punt return formation, and we will see if a guy like Dylan DeAulis will make another run at the punter. And so taking a little to the snap, the snap. Seems maybe they're trying to draw a prep offside with the delay. The snap is up, and it is a long kick, and Benny Walls, receives it at the five, even though he's getting calls to let it go to the touchdown. But he will take it on his own. This is DeAndre Swift running. He crossed the field, and he will be brought down out of bounds at the 35. He received the ball on the left side of the field at the five-yard line, just in a diagonal way, following his blockers, brings it all the way to the 35-yard line. Great run by DeAndre Swift. So Swift makes a move after he catches the ball at about the seven. He jukes to the left and goes to the right. Did you happen to notice... Uh, where Dylan Deulius was at the moment. He was at the 13-yard line about maybe three feet from somebody in front of him. If Dylan Deulius touches that guy, that's a penalty. If he just now, touches him. Just want to bring your attention. Sean Harris came off the field the last play in a bit of pain. He's being checked out by team trainers. We want to hope the best that see him on the field again. Jack Clemens will line up in the I formation, which we have seen a couple times back in center 
with it. Looks like Lou Shiraki has the fullback. He will hand the ball off to number five, Jim Bell, a guy whose name we have not called much, but it's hard when you got great guys all around him. But Jim Bell, he does make the most of his time when he does see it. You're right. It is a, a, a new a new backfield for all intents and purposes with Shiraki back there and Bell. And, and, Bell. and so Clemens again in the eye formation, two to his left, and then Shiraki and Bell behind him. He will hand the ball off again to Jim Bell, who was met oh. immediately wow. by the Mount Carmel defensive line. That was a huge hit by number Kevin, by number 95, Kevin Thurman, 6'3", 260, defensive lineman. And unless I'm blind, I, I, I think Lavelle Houston was in on that play and, and number 94. We had to find 94, but yeah, Tyrell Greer. Tyrell Greer was there. I mean, those are big dudes, 255, 260. Bell is still on the field. Back in their normal shotgun, two to his left, two to his right. Clemens will look the pass. He goes deep to a to a swarm oh. of players. He had John Reed, Reed overthrew him just a little bit, but John Reed is well and okay. Fourth down for the prep. Well, that's the best part of that play is that John Reed was in on the play, and if that ball is just a little shorter, John Reed has it down the sideline, probably going out of bounds at the 20 or just inside the 20-yard line. Now, Jack Clemens, there was about two prep receivers and three defensive, three D backs for Mount Carmel. He found Reed. Reed broke his way out of the pack, and Reed, if he would have caught that, that's six right there, but overthrew it just out of his hand sight, and we will bring out the punt team for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. Ball resting at the 41 now. Rob Capri out the punt. Junior, he's doing very well at the punting job so far in his first game being the punter. It is a high but not very far kick, and it will bounce at about the 40, bounce back to the 45. Mount Carmel will pick it up at their own 45-yard line with great field position to tie this game up. Ouch. 29-yard kick and uh, the net of about 21 yards maybe 25 yards, not quite what they were hoping to get. I think they were trying to play a field position game there and they were hoping for something a little bit deeper than that. 2-0-1 to go here in the third quarter. This is important right now because they've got the lead. They've got a little bit of momentum, but I, I, I think they, they really, the prep needed to get something on that drive, maybe a couple more first downs. We'll have to see what Mount Carmel rebounds with here. As the prep defense held out, Sean Harris still on the sideline being stretched out. It seems that he seems to be in a bit of pain. So Mount Carmel lines up in their normal option set. A quick handoff to number 33, who would get the initial contact, but then breaks through for an extra three or four yards. Second down, seven-yard gain. That's power running. That's much of what we saw in the first half. Much of what we saw in the first half. And it ended up getting them six yards. It'll be interesting to see if they end up deciding to, to go back to that first half prescription and, and follow it closely. So St. Joe's Prep in their own zone for the first time in the second half. The ball on, their, on the St. Joe's Prep 48-yard line as Mount Carmel lines up for a second and three yards to go for a first down. Look at the Prep bunched up right around the ball. I mean, they're, they're inside the tackles, all of them. It and was it a worked. very quick handoff to number 33, Jaquan Boyan, but bam, right there, right met right away, third down. Four yards to go. Jake Strain getting up along with Alec Dirks right there on the left-hand side of the line. They both, they both dumped in there, and, and it, was a, it was a wall. And they're very condensed. It looked like they were within probably six yards of each other, all four of those big moose. Well, Mount Carmel's offense, they don't spread themselves out too much. No, they right. have two receivers to the right, but there's never one receiver on the left. So the prep can just 
wipe out half the field and all the way go in. Oh. Tompkins will keep it himself on the quarterback option, and he will get the first down on about an eight-yard carry. He found the hole in his blockers, and he took it first down caravan. Yeah, Jake Strain a little disappointed in himself. He overcommitted, and, and he almost got a hand on, on uh, the quarterback's shoes there, but not quite quick enough to get him. It was a good decision by Thompson. I think Thompson struggled with some of his decisions here in the second half. So it is a first down for Mount Carmel with 30 seconds left in this third quarter. St. Joe's Prep still up 21-14, to but Mount Carmel seems to be marching on this drive. Tompkins will hand the ball off to, again, Jaquan Boyant, who takes the initial contact, breaks through for a couple more yards, second down and five for Mount Carmel. And again, you're listening to the St. Joe's Prep Student Broadcasting Club, the game, the prep on the road in Chicago against Mount Carmel of Chicago, one of the best teams in the country. Tim Pergolin giving you the play-by-play. I'm Rich Henkels, moderator of the Student Broadcasting Club. Also with us, Bill Abington, who, of course, is the, the organizer and the creator of the Student Broadcasting Club. Dan Abingdon, a freshman in the club, is our statistician. We've got several other folks uh, helping us out. Van Hinkles, Jack Hinkles, a, a sophomore and a junior, or a senior. I keep, keep forgetting, saying he's my own son. I keep forgetting he's now a senior. I guess it's because I don't want him to leave, Tim. Do you think that's possible? Might be. It might be. Anyway, we just entered the third quarter, 21-14. to 14, The prep leading Mount Carmel. We've got uh, one more quarter of football, Tim, and uh, this has been a, an unbelievable game and a, a tremendous opportunity for the prep to really make a name for themselves and, and to prove to the rest of the country they're as good as those preseason rankings have shown. Well, Mount Carmel also has something to prove. You see, the prep was ranked the prep was ranked eighth in the nation by Max Preps. A lot of high expectations, first in the state of Pennsylvania. Mount Carmel a little less, and they think they want they want to get bigger. They want to show that they can play with top 25 teams, top 10 teams. Mount Carmel second in the state of Illinois, 96th in the nation, and 16th in the Midwest. Now, when you looked at the Max Preps, and, and actually that's a pretty good website. If you look at the Max Preps website, it talks about a lot of players. But the ones that were that were really uh, talked about uh, for, for St. Joe's Prep, you know, John Reed, Dillian Deulius, uh, of course, Big John Runyon, uh, several others. Um, the games that were listed as games to watch, this one was a game to watch, and then... Um, and then also the, the LaSalle game down the road. Incidentally, folks, in case you, you were on another planet, um, LaSalle beat North Penn the other yes. night. So LaSalle started the season just the way they wanted to. They were up by a touchdown at the half, and they blew them out in the second half. That's exactly what they wanted. Next, next week's game against Don Bosco, another max prep special game they talked about. So Mount Carmel will be going from our left to our wow. right now in the fourth quarter, and their first play out the gate is a seven-yard rush, maybe 12, actually, a 12-yard rush for Mount Carmel, which will give them first down, and they are on the 24-yard line, and that is a big play to start this fourth quarter. That's a big, strong running back. Jacon Bunton is a strong, strong kid. He's a 195-pound six-footer, and he, he just broke three tackles. Uh, that, that's what you just can't have happen. And so Mount Carmel hurrying up, two receivers to his right, a very quick run, handoff to Boyd, Boy, who finds a hole, breaks to the sideline, and is hit out at about the five-yard line by Benny Walls. And now Mount Carmel will be in a short distance to the goal situation. As you see, Coach Gabe Infante sending out John Running and Shane Davis, some big guys to help out on the goal line. Yeah, and they need that. At this point, this is, the, this is where... 
this is where you can expect to see Mount Carmel. They're, I don't think they're going to run the ball. I think they've, they've just proven in this drive that they've got to keep the ball on the ground and do what they've been doing. And I think you're going to see Boynton getting the ball, or Button getting the ball right out of the gate here. So with 11 minutes, 32 seconds left in the game, St. Joe's Prep is trying to hold on to their lead as Mount Carmel is on the goal line. In their normal option set, just more linemen, only one receiver out to his right. A quick handoff to Jaquel Bolton, but he is stopped after about a gain of a yard, maybe two, by just the overall mass of the St. Joe's Prep defense. So the ball resting on the one-yard line at this point. St. Joe's Prep sideline, they are, uh, everybody's anxious, man. There's... There's no calm on that sideline. They know this is a, a chance to really shake some people up. So, second down, Coach Gabe Infante sends out Alec Dirks in place for Armin Wary. Just another big body to hopefully pound in and stop them before they can get in. And so, the very quick snap, and it is to Jaquel Boynton, and that is a touchdown for Mount Carmel. 20-21 to 21 right now. St. Joe's prep with the lead, and there, there is just nothing about that. Offensive line. Makes a huge hole at the at the line. Touchdown easily. No one touched him. Very similar drive to what we saw in the first and second quarters. Uh, the prescription was followed uh, to a T. There was no faking. There was no messing around with the passing game. It was all a matter of Thompson getting the ball to A.J. Lewis and Jaquan Button. Button going up the middle. Lewis around the outside. It was that run to the outside that, that really opened it up and, and, and got them to the three-yard line where Button, after two plays, was able to punch it in. So Zach Mirabelli will come in for the kick for the point after in hopes of tying this game up. The snap is good, and he kicks it, and it is no question about it. Hits the scoreboard, tie game, 10 minutes, 52 seconds left in the game. It's interesting. This scoreboard, Just uh, most of you folks at home probably, you've never been to the stadium. And uh, I'll just tell you, it's, it's built for MLS soccer. So you don't really have balls flying up as high as, as uh, extra points and field goals. But the scoreboard is right behind the, the field goal uh, post. So that ball, the extra point, went up and, and actually hit the time where it says 10.52 left in the fourth. It actually hit that number right there. That's a big kick. That kid, is he's, he's a Division One kicker based on what I can see. He's got the leg strength. He's pretty accurate. I think that other extra point was a, kind of an anomaly and a, a low snap in the first half. And so St. Prep, looking to take back the lead, sends out Olamide Sakias and DeAndre Swift with some great athletic blockers in front of them. Zach Mirabelli will kick off, and from what we've seen on Lester Jones for trickeration, this ball's going out the end zone. So short, though. You know, Dylan Deulius is short. Do you think they're going to do anything crazy? I would not think at this point they're going to do anything crazy. I don't think they're crazy. going to, but they have to be ready for it yeah. at all times. And the other one is standing at the 25, Joe Dumont, too. That's one of the things I love about Gabe Infante. He puts guys in positions you wouldn't expect him to. And it is, again, it is another pooch kick. Fair caught. Easily caught by number 23 for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. That was a smart play by Zach Goss, a junior. So you're... you're uh, Quick recap on that drive for Mount Carmel. Thanks very much to Dan Abington for this information. Eight plays. All eight were rushes. 54-yard drive. It took off 349 off the clock. The big play, A.J. Lewis, 19-yard touchdown or a run to the four-yard line. And the TD play with Jacon Button from one yard out. The score, 21-21 with 10.52 to go. So Jack Clemens leads this offense back out onto the field, hoping to do better than their last drive. He lines up under center with only one running back to his right. Shiraki was on the side, but he goes in motion to his right. 
he will hand the ball off to Alamide Zacchaeus, looking for a hole, and he might have broken out, but he was caught up by that Mount Carmel defense after a five-yard gain, second down. That handoff was so far back in the backfield that it, when he first got the ball, there was space to run, but by the time he got to that space, it had closed up. So with 10 minutes, 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, 21-21 tie game, Jack Clemens with the ball at the 35-yard line. The ball is out and it is handed off to DeAndre, or I'm sorry, to Alamide Zacchaeus, who gains about three or four yards to bring up a short third down, and this is a, an important play. That was a very good tackle, very good tackle by, by 71 Green, because he's a big lineman, and, and he was able to, to grab Alamade before he could burst out. There was nobody behind him at that point. Great play by 71. And so again, lining up behind center, he will hand the ball off again to Alamade Sakaeus, who does not get much. This will be a very close call, but it is fourth and short. Clemens pointing that might be a first down, but they are ruling it a fourth. No way. And they, and they are going for it. St. Joe's Prep is going for it, because it, it might be a ball's length away from the first down. It, Clemens took the snap and goes forth, but there was a timeout called by Mount Carmel. They want to set up their defense for this very important fourth down with nine minutes and 37 seconds to go. Did you see what I saw in that last play, too? Again, the handoff was so deep in the backfield. Uh, you know, what I've noticed is when we're successful, it, it's when the ball is handed off two, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's happening five, six yards behind the line of scrimmage. And, and Mount Carmel's pretty fast. They're closing the gap pretty quickly on those holes on the outside. And so St. Joe's Prep will take the field at their own 39-yard line. Not, there is a big, diff, big, big area until the touchdown. But Jack Clemens, he hasn't been airing the ball out too much. He's been dumping it off. Two touchdowns scored on screen passes. And that seems to be the way that this offense is going to work. Clemens is going to set guys up for other guys to make big plays. We'll have to see if, if they decide to go downfield. They've, they've tried twice. Uh, he overthrew John Reed uh, last quarter, going down the right sideline. But outside of that, he hasn't really gone downfield. Uh, I guess in the first half, he hit um, he hit Reed or, or number 24. Um, again, a new guy that I'm not familiar with this year, Terrence Green. And, uh, and and Green caught the ball at about the 45, about a 17-yard gain. But I, I think you're right. What, what's going to be interesting is how confident is, is, is Clements going to be at some point to start really firing it down downfield because he's strong, so we need to sit. Fourth down there, lined up in the eye. It is handed off to Alamide Zacchaeus, who bounces around in the backfield, and it looks like he got the first down for St. Joe's Prep. First down and 10 at their own 42-yard line. That was, that was power of football. They pounded it inside, and they got the, the two-and-a-half yards they needed, and, and now the Prep can, can, can get after it again, 9.30 to go here in the fourth. Tie game. Jack Clemens back in his usual shotgun formation. Three to his right, one to his left. He's looking for a throw. He looks to his left, and he finds, and he finds John Reed on a very simple button hook route for at the 50-yard line. Very close to the first down, but it will be second down. And you see the way John Reed caught that ball? Hands out in front, pulled it in and tucked it. Why? Because he's near the, uh, near the sidelines. He, he wants to protect the ball first and foremost, and then he stepped out of bounds. He's been hit pretty hard this game. He's got to protect, protect himself and the ball. 
Jack Clements very quickly in the same formation, and he will hand the ball off to Jim Bell, who finds a hole, and he will get it. The last play was ruled a first down, and so that will bring up second down and about six yards. So a four-yard gain by Jim Bell with nine minutes left in a tie football game. I think the ball popped loose when Bell hit the ground, but because the ground caused a fumble, it wasn't a fumble. The prep offense looking to the sideline for the play call, and they come out with two receivers to the right, two to the left in a Clemens shotgun formation. Mount Carmel bringing guys up front, looking like they might try to blitz, and Clemens again looking back. DeAndre Swift is overdue for a big play. At some point, he's going to have a play that's going to make us say, oh, yes. Clemens will hand the ball off, and it is a very short gain, maybe about a yard or two gain there, and that will bring up third down and five. So, again, St. Joe's Prep in a tough third down uh, conversion. That wasn't the play that I was hoping for. Uh, That was about a yard and a half at the most. So St. Joe's Prep Hawks in a very hurry-up offense scheme as we've seen all game and most of last season. So with three receivers to his right and one to his left, Clemens takes the snap. He goes and finds Reed on the same route they did about three plays earlier. That is a first down on the 35-yard line. St. Joe's Prep Hawks are marching down the field. Senior to senior. And, and that's exactly what you would expect at this point. They're hitting the key passes that they may, need to make. And so Clemens showing very much poise in the second half. He did not seem as confident as he did in the first half. So again, in the I formation, lining up behind center, Jack Clemens will take the snap and fake the handoff play action pass to Lou Shiraki, who catches it but is immediately hit hard by number 21 for the Mount Carmel defense. That hit was by number 21 Sorry, new names, but man, that was a huge hit. Shiraki really shook it off beautifully, though, too. He just flipped the ball to the officials and went right back out, and he's standing at the 35-yard line. You know he wants the ball right now on a handoff. Five-yard game, which will bring up second and five at their own 30-yard line. The ball is handed off to number 26 for the St. Joe's Prep Hawks. That ball was handed off to Jones, to Kerry Jones. Kerry Jones is sophomore, 5'8", sophomore. Interesting that... First time we've seen him on the field. Very interesting. And it is a very big moment in the game. There was a flag on the field, and that ball will be brought back on St. Joe's Prep, which will bring up about third and 13 yards. I'm sorry, second down, 13 yards. It was a holding on St. Joe's. Yeah, they called that very early in the play. You saw that yellow flag go to the interior line right after the snap. So Jack Clemens will line up by himself in the shotgun formation, three to his right, two to his left. Swift and Reed to the left. Zacchaeus, Bell, Bell, and I can't see who's on the top right. But Swift will go take the motion, and he will hand it off on a, on a sweep route. He finds his blockers, finds a hole, and third down and short, about an 11-yard gain, and that is just what the prep needed after a holding call. It's kind of what you expected. At some point, Gabe was going to find a way to give DeAndre Swift a chance to make a big play. Now with third and one, it's all up to this play to... Hold the ball There's and some build the momentum. confusion going on on the Mount Carmel defense. Jack Clemens will keep it himself after a third and one. Four, it looks like, it looks like he did get the first down. A quick scene center, folks. Again, it is the fourth quarter, 6.53 to go. St. Joe's Prep tied up with Mount Carmel, 21-21 to 21 at 
at uh, uh, the Chicago Toyota Park, which is the MLS stadium in Chicago on the southwest corner of town. Tim Pergolan, Rich Hankles, Tim giving you the play-by-play here on WSJP Student Broadcasting Club of St. Joe's Prep. Tim? On the 23-yard line, St. Joe's Prep lines up with a first and 10 in the I formation. Clemens takes this ball and will fake the handoff, and he throws it to... Oh, oh, what a play! Jack Clemens threw the ball intended for number 24, Terrence Goss, but the ball was tipped up, and John Reed comes in behind him for the catch and the touchdown. The ball was intended for number 24, Terrence Jones, running a post route to the middle. He was covered heavily by Mount Carmel by two defenders. He seemed like he tried to catch the ball, but it was tipped straight up, and John Reed also running a post route just behind him, bounces right into his hands, heads up play by Reed, Touchdown, St. Joe's Prep, and Nick Billis in for the extra point. The extra point is good, giving the Prep a 28-21 lead with 6 minutes, 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Man, that was a mouthful. i tell you what, it, though, uh, that's a phrase i got to learn to stop saying this year because uh, it's, it's easy to keep thinking the same things over and over and over again. But we've talked about the seniors coming up and making the big plays. On that drive, John Reed made three enormous plays, the biggest one being the touchdown that is a deflected pass. In so many cases, a ball gets deflected and uh, the concentration wanes. It falls off, it drops off precipitously. Not with Reed. He's a senior. He understands the importance of this. He's looking at his college career ahead. He wants to make this year extra special and he certainly certainly played that play as though it, it will be extra special. No, I'm not sure if you guys heard that, but as Mr. Hankles was talking, there is a prep fight song chant going on down in the stands because this prep alumni who made the trip and are watching the game, they are excited. This is a great game so far and the prep just want to bring it home and who knows, who knows, but I have a feeling that they have the energy and they will. 28-21, 6.35 to go. If, uh, if the defense can continue to play the way they've played, it'll be very interesting to see if Mount Carmel goes back to that offense that was so potent in the running game. Uh, all those plays on the last uh, touchdown drive were running plays. We'll see if they do the same thing. So 6.35 left in the fourth quarter. St. Joe's Prep up seven, and Nick Bill will kick off from our right to our left. And so Nick Bill lines up to kick to Mount Carmel in their browns and St. Joe's in their whites. And the kick is off and it is far. Lands at about the five-yard line and he does have some room to make something happen. He breaks through the pack to about the 30-yard line and so Mount Carmel will have a decent field position to start off for a game-time drive. Well, A.J. Lewis is tough. You know, he, he's just tough. He, the first hit never knocks that guy down. It's it's two, three, sometimes four hits before he goes down. That was a great great example right there. He could have been down at the 18-yard line, but he got an extra 11 yards out of that. Balls out to the 29. Uh, a recap on that drive. 13 plays, 3 minutes, 17 seconds, 17 yards, touchdown play. Clements to Reed, 23 yards on the deflected pass. And so back in their option formation, a quick handoff from Thompson to number 33, Jaquan Bunton. And that will bring up second down and about seven yards to the first down. And so, as we have noticed in the second half, Mount Carmel has not been as hurry up to this line of scrimmage as they were in the first half. Now they're taking more time going to the huddle, making substitutions, and hope that the substitutions make them more fresh for the tired legs of St. Joe's. 
And so with just under six minutes left, Mount Carmel will line up at the 31-yard line in their normal option. Two receivers to the right, two running backs behind them. A quick fake handoff, but it is a quarterback running back option to the outside with a pitch and a break down the sideline. And that is a first down on a very big play. That is about a 15-yard gain at the fifth, and they will set up shot at about the 45-yard line. Very systematic, which doesn't surprise you a bit. I'll tell you, there's a real calm over there in the, uh, in the, on the sidelines at Mount Carmel, you know? You just don't see, there's no panic. Of course, they've got 17 assistant coaches over there between the 40 and the 25, huh? Well stacked, and I'm sure they all know what they're doing, too. Option handoff to Jaquan Boyd, who breaks four tackles three or four tackles to get a first down, 13-yard gain, but brought down by who else than Dylan Deolius. These guys do not go down easily. It's, it's two, three, four hits every time. And it's the same guys. So we're, we aren't seeing a lot of depth. Uh, uh, one thing that's, that's probably real apparent is the teams that are scouting Mount Carmel, they've got to be noticing that everything is being done by Lewis, Bunton, and Thompson. We have not seen any of these other running backs who we expected to see so much from. We haven't seen any of the wide receivers, with the exception of Avery Saffold, who's had a couple of short dinks over the middle. He's broken, broken deep. But the rest of them haven't seen uh, Nico Vestica. Haven't seen anything about, uh, out of uh, Kyle Zubak. And so this prep defensive line needs to find a way to muster up some energy to fight back these huge offensive linemen from Mount Carmel in the last 5 minutes 37 seconds of this game man this game has been a nail biter so far and that has no sign of slowing up in the last uh, in the last 5 and a half minutes and so there's just a timeout on the field bringing back we are at Toyota Park the home of the Chicago Fire in Chicago, Illinois. And a quick plug right now. I, I just checked my cell phone. By the way, this is on Internet radio, but a lot of the communication is done via, via telephone lines. And I'd like to say thanks to Paul Neff out there. Of course, he's got kids at the prep, uh, one of them, Keenan Neff, who plays hockey and also has played some baseball with my son Jack over the last few years. Paul sent me a, a text and said, you guys sound good. It's in and out, but... Uh, uh, Paul, thanks for listening, and, and thanks to anybody out there who's listening from the prep. This is really a, a dream come true for the students and for me as a, as a moderator to this club to be able to bring you a game of this caliber this early in the season. Let's hope we're still talking to you in mid-December, right, Tim? <laughs> thanks, Paul. And so back to the action out on the field. It is going to be a first down and 10 for Mount Carmel at their own 42-yard line. They line up again in their normal option set and and. A quick handoff to Jaquan Boyan, who is eventually swarmed. He looked like he might have been able to break through, but you've got to love guys at the linebacker position and the secondary positions coming through to stop him on, for only a three-yard gain. Having a, a, a big hit there was turned in by 43, James Johnson, because that, he was the fourth tackler on the play. And from what we've seen from Button at this point, if you're not the fourth guy in, he gets away. And he goes for further yardage. Good play by Johnson. Now, he is the little brother of Captain Tom Johnson. Correct. But I use little in a very light term. Only in, a, only in an age sort of way. Now, it is a quarterback option. He decides to keep it himself, Andrew Thompson, who gains about two, three yards to bring up a third down and about three yards until a first down at their own. We're at the St. Joe's Prep 35-yard line. Anthony Thompson has not called his own number very often. 
I mean, I think that's probably the third time we've heard you say that. And I think two of them were those misdirection plays in the first half that may have been broken plays. And so St. Joe's Prep lines up on their defense on a very critical third down with four minutes, 24 seconds left in the game. St. Joe's Prep up 28-21. to 21. Anthony Tompkins with a quarterback keeper, but he pitches it back out to Jaquan Boyne, who breaks down the sideline, but is tripped up on at about the 20-yard line by a St. Joe's prep. I can't make out the number right now. He went out to the outside. It was uh, 23. Goss. Zach Goss. Yep. Zach Goss on the trip up. It's either him or Benny Walls. One of the other. No, it's 23. I can see him now. Tell you what, it was. He did exactly what he had to do because if he doesn't make the tackle, it's a touchdown. So that will be first down and 10 at the 19-yard line. Mount Carmel very close with 3 minutes and 55 seconds left in the game. In their normal option, he will hand it off to Jaquan Boyne, but he is eventually wrapped up by the St. Joe's Prep defensive line. And so with 3 minutes 40 seconds left, Mount Carmel looking to punch it in, but it's second down right now. And there was a big trip up. And who else in the middle of that pile? The number 10, Captain Jake Strain right there. He made the initial hit. Hartman with the backup. And these guys have been grinding, pounding all game. And it has not been easy with this offensive line of Mount Carmel. Quick handoff to Jaquan Boynton. He has stopped short of the first down about four minutes. I'm sorry, that was to A.J. Lewis, the quicker, but just as powerful. And it is third down and five yards for for Mount Carmel at about the 15-yard line. And it is, as you can hear, this prep crowd erupting, hoping to get behind this team. Quick keeper. He pitches it back out to A.J. Lewis. He almost stopped, but looks like he definitely got the first down. But he is pushed out of bounds at the five. Almost got to him there was number 17, Justin Montag. Almost stopped him short of the first down, but it'll be first and goal at the five-yard line. John Reed with a stop there, and you can really hear those St. Joe's prep fans. They are pumped up. They're looking at a, at a chance at a golden, you know, real beautiful victory here, but the ball's now resting on the five-yard line. It's a long way from, long way from a, a win at this point, Tim. So with two minutes, 30 seconds left in the game, Mount Carmel will line up at about the five-yard line. Thompson put, hands it off to Jaquan Boynton, who was at the line, pushed and pushed and pushed behind the line. And that is a touchdown, Mount Carmel. And with two, two minutes, 23 seconds left in the game, Mount Carmel scores the touchdown as an extra point away from tying this game up. And I think the, the, the one guy on this team, look at number six, standing at the 50-yard line, Jack Clements. He knows this game is, is one point away from being tied up. Calm, cool, collected, hands on his hips. He knows this, this may be my opportunity to, to take this team and, and seize the day. And so Zach Mirabelli, who has been just short of outstanding this game, and not necessarily all his fault, will come in for the opportunity to tie this game up. The snap is good. The kick is no good. The kick is no good. The kick has been shanked to the left by Zach Mirabelli. I'm not sure if that was from the snap, the hold, or the kick, but St. Jude's Prep still has the lead, 28-27. to 27. But I'm going to be the first to say this might be a death call. 
they we saw that they know how to run a I, they know how to run an onside kick. I, I, this might this might they're losing, but it might work in their favor. Well, they're just a smart team. I mean, Frank Lenti, he's got he's got something up his sleeve. You know one thing, he's not going to kick it deep. He will not kick it deep because then he's surrendering possession. He's not going to want to surrender possession. He's going to try something, and then he's going to let his defense try to hold the prep. That's what's going to happen. Now, can he try the pooch kick, folks? If you remember, in the, late in the, in, the second, in the second quarter, they did a pooch kick. And if um, Justin Montague hadn't called for a fair catch at the 35-yard line, they would have caught the pooch kick and run it all the way back. So the question is how many timeouts are left the scoreboards do not indicate numbers of timeouts, but I think the prep's got a couple at least because I don't think we've used any in the second half. And I'm not sure what the case is with Mount Carmel. Unfortunately, this stadium is normally used for soccer, so there's not an expansive um, uh, staff out there to support these kinds of things. So scoring recap on that, folks. Thanks very much, Dan Abington, a freshman who's part of the club this year. Ten plays, all of them rushes again, just as you expect. 28 to 27. It was a, a hooked extra point, the, the, the miss, uh, which really Zach Mirabelli, I'm stunned by that. Leg strength, he just wasn't able to put it up and straight. Touchdown play was a bunt and five-yard rush. 71 total yards on the drive. Uh, just a tremendous drive. Uh, the show of character by this Mount Carmel team. Now it's up to the prep, who now they've got everybody up. You, I'll let you count the players and set the play, Tim. Well, the prep has clearly sent out their hands team. Because, and they're lined up evenly on either side because now there's a rule that there has to be an even number of players on either side of the kicker. So there's no leaning towards one side because we don't know what side he's going to kick it to. The prep has some backup wide receivers out there, and no one is that far deep. It is an onside kick to the left side, and it will bounce out of bounds. There was a Mount Carmel player making a run for the ball. That was number two, Avery Stafford, running towards the ball. He might have had a chance at it. But it bounced out of bound at about the 51 or the 49 yard line, and that will be St. Joe's prep ball with two minutes 23 seconds left. So this is all going to be a matter of holding on to the ball and trying to get some yardage. They need it. They need a first down. There's no question about that. There's going to be timeout shoes. They need a first down. 2:23 to go is oodles of time, especially when you've got a, a good coaching staff who understands what his players are capable of doing. Should they get the ball back? The question becomes, how good a pass or how effective can Anthony Thompson be managing the clock if it's a long way to go? And so but this all is, long, the ball is everything. This is where we're going to find out what Clemens has in him. It yeah. is the first game of the season, but up by one with just over two minutes left, it's time to show, these, time to show the fans that he can win a game. And so the ball was quickly handed off to number one Olamide Sakaius. Yes, number that. one Sakaius for a little to nothing gain second down with two minutes, ten seconds left as the clock is ticking. So I go to Zacchaeus, and now DeAndre Swift comes in as Zacchaeus comes out. John Reed, I think they're going to probably get the ball to Reed, but his foot to the left, I would not be surprised for him to go in motion over the middle you know, and, and get, a, get, a, get a handoff behind the line of scrimmage. And so now St. Joe's prep with the ball at the 49-yard line with the clock ticking. So they're not doing their normal hurry Something up Something we offense. haven't seen this year. Yes. A huddle. Not doing their normal <laughs> hurry up. Seems, seems intangible. They hurry to the line, and it is handed off. No, it is a keeper for Jack Clemens, Ooh. who is hit hard by a player on the Mount Carmel defense, number 45, Troy Wiesenhofer. That was a big hit, but Clemens is back up. It was a, he looked to go back and run, 
but maybe he got a little mixed up, kept the ball for himself, held on to it after a big hit, third down, and Mount Carmel uses a timeout. And that led to their time. That led to the timeout. Uh, Wiesenhofer is one of their captains. They've got a bunch of captains, and uh, he's one of them, and one of the one of the stronger players on the team. He's a five ten, two hundred thirty pound junior or senior, I should say. Uh, you know, if you're Frank Lenti, what are you thinking right now? You're, you're telling your guys, all right, there's plenty of time left. What he knows is he's got two running backs who are capable of breaking long runs at any point. He's got a quarterback who we don't know much about in terms of just how well he can throw the ball. He hasn't had to. He hasn't been forced to. Uh, I think he's thrown the ball a couple of times, nothing of, of significance or impressiveness. So I think this is the fun moment, you know. And I don't know how many times we've been in this situation, but it's not very often that we've been in a close game where we're ahead. And so Jack Clemens will lead this offense back out. He will line up in the shotgun. Three receivers to his right, two to his left. It looks like they will be definitely going for the first down on this play, not just a play to run out the clock. Jim Bell switches from his left to his right, and Clemens is by himself in the shotgun. Chris Martin would run a draw in this case, if you remember. That's the difference between Jack Clemens and Chris Martin, maybe. We'll see. And so Clemens by himself calling out shots to his offensive lineman. Zacchaeus sweeps to the right, and he hands it off to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has his blockers, and he is going. He finds a hole. Nothing too much about a six-yard gain, but there is a flag on the play. It looks like there was something on the block. They might have that. I think that's coming back for the prep. That little hesitation move that Zacchaeus made at about the 48-yard line meant that the blockers had to hold onto the block a, a fraction of a second longer. That's the difference right there. Now, we'll have to see though because it looks as though the conversation was between the Mount Carmel coach and the official holding declined. Holding, holding declined. But there is a second holding, and that is also declined. So with a minute 23 seconds, I think he was kicked out of bounds. So that will stop the clock. It is third down, fourth down, and five, and Jack Clements is still on the field. They will be going for it. Maybe too close to punt, way too far for a field goal from a new kicker. So they will be going for it by himself in the shotgun, three to his right, two to his left. They're going to try, uh, try to draw him off sides with the count. And the clock is running. And Gabe is next to the official calling for the timeout. And there's the timeout with 58 seconds left in a very high-intensity, high high-performance matchup between Battle of the Champions, two-time defending champion of the Illinois State, which is Mount Carmel, and then the recent 2013 champion, St. Joe's Prep, the champion of Pennsylvania. A little scene set. We start in Chicago at beautiful Toyota Park where the MLS Chicago Fire play. It has been a high-intensity game. It started with touchdowns on both sides. The prep came out with high intensity at the second half. They were down by one at the second half. Came out with high intensity, takes the lead, and then Mal Carmel comes back on a great drive. But it, they score, but the field goal is missed by their kicker who has been... Extra point. But it is... Yes, the extra point which was missed by their kicker who has been nothing short of outstanding the entire game. And so now they will send their punt team out with 58 seconds left looking to punt the ball and hopefully pin them back as far as they possibly can. You know, with Infante the way he is, I would not, I would not be the least bit surprised by a short snap to uh, one of the up guys who runs up the middle. I, everything he does is impressive. He could be very standard here and get it back to his punter. 
Now, we haven't seen a lot of punts either. Mal Carmel does not send one player back. They are sending one now. So two guys on the left, only covered by one. So you got to hope for a very short kick that our guys can get out to quickly. And the punt is up high, but not very far at all. It will bounce out of bounds at the 25-yard line. So long field. It is a very long field. 50 seconds left for a very run-heavy defense. Or a run-heavy offense. I, I don't think that's quite what they wanted to get, but I think what they're, what they're, they're talking to the kicker right now, or their punter about, is, is the drop of the ball. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but the drop of the ball was vertical as opposed to horizontal. They weren't looking for a high-hanging spiral. They knew that would go into the end zone. They were looking for a different kind of kick that would drop somewhere between the 25 and the 15 maybe, and that's what they were just pointing. Look, more coaching, more instruction. So the 29-yard line is where Mount Carmel will set up shot. Now they are in a very more traditional offense. He lines up under center with receivers to his left and his right, and his first pass is overshot by about five yards. 46 seconds left, prep up one second down from Mount Carmel. Now, I may be wrong, Tim, but this is a testimony to how little they've thrown the ball. I think Anthony Thompson is a lefty. No, he is, yes. I, I didn't even... Here we are in the fourth quarter with inside a minute to go. I did not even notice that until this play because they have not thrown the ball very often. And so now this very... Maybe I'm a little slow. This very run-heavy offense is now in a more traditional. They have been running the option the entire game, and now they line up with two to the left, two to the right. He comes out, he hits a five-yard pass to A.J. Lewis, who will run out of bounds. So it is third down, five yards to go on their own 35-yard line with 40 seconds left for Mount Carmel. Right now, uh, Gabe Infante frantic on the sidelines, having some fun, giving the signals. There's no less than five coaches giving signals right now. Running up a hurry up in the single back. Thompson is rushed out of the pocket. He throws it, and it is caught, it may seem. The officials threw it out of out. So it is fourth down, five yards to go, 30 seconds left. I'm going to take off my headset and hang it over the edge here so that on this fourth down, you can call the play, and I think the crowd noise will let everyone know exactly what happened, Tim. So the game for Mount Carmel will end if they do not convert on this fourth and five. You guys got, you got your captains, your main players. You got Reed and Runyon firing up the St. Joe's prep crowd. Thompson will line up under center. He goes a quick out pass to number two, AJ, and he stops. Stop short by Olamide Sakaeus, and that is a turnover on downs, and St. Joe's Pep looks like they may have just won the football game. And that was a very quick out pass to number two, Avery Safford, on the play. It was He was immediately brought down by Olamide Sakaeus, and St. Joe's Prep will walk away out of Chicago with a victory. Now we've got a couple of people down on the field. Uh, Bill Abington's with uh, Jack Henkels. They're going to try to get some interviews, so we'll see what happens. And Tim, I'm going to ask you to be the engineer at that point. So when we see these guys call in from the field, we'll be able to get them. And Jack Clemens will take a kneel, and he will take his first victory as the starting quarterback for St. Joe's Prep. It is a one-point victory, but hey, I'll take it. 
I'll take it. It's not a one. It's a one-point victory over one of the top ten teams in the country, or top ten teams in the uh, that will ever play. And 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 they played extremely. No tur- one turnover. Both teams had one turnover. That's the kind of stuff you would expect from a team of this caliber. So we're going to get our, our our stats set up and. Um, what we've got down on the field right now, Bill Abington's a big bear hug, I think, with a couple of folks down there. Jack Hankles is down. He's going to try to get a couple of the coaches. What we need them to do is to dial in right now and, um, and make that happen. I'm going to ask one of our guys, uh, Van Hankles, would you text your brother, tell him to make the phone call right now so the phone is lined up and we can get the interviews when they get them. Just tell him, thank you very much. We're going to try to get these guys on the phone. Uh, the thoughts while I watch the field and see what's going on. Tim, your thoughts on what transpired here, what we've seen, and, and uh, I'll keep my eyes on the field. Well, so initially, the big question, you know, the number one position, quarterback. How is Clemens going to come in and play? And first pass, interception. You know, just immediate panic would run through anyone's mind, but not his. He stayed poised, and he, he came out here and won. He set up his guys to make the right plays. Two touchdowns on screen passes to his key guys like Reed and Olamide Sakaeus. So he knew what he had to do to win, and he got the victory. The St. Joe's Prep got the victory. Now, we're going to look at other things. So the first game, you got the victory. But then you go to guys' experience. John Reed has been playing for varsity football under Coach Infante since he was a freshman. Now a senior, he knows what he has to do to win. He knows how to win a big game. And he showed that much today. He being one of the best teams in the country in Mount Carmel. The, one of the best teams in Illinois, two-time state champion. And I think if there hasn't been a sign that we're ready to go to another state championship, well, I'll take it one game at a time. If we're ready for Don Bosco, we are ready for Don Bosco shown after this game. All right, Tim, I'm keeping my eyes on the field. If you want to take a look at the screen, and let's make sure we get, uh, get our calls in. Uh, they're down on the field right now. Jack is down, down there with uh, Bill Abington, and they're going to try to get some folks. Needless to say, what's happening right now is Coach uh, Gabe Infante has some great traditions. Now, hold off now. Um, they've got some great traditions. One of them is he's lining up his team to talk to them right now. They're taking off their helmets. They're going to say a prayer and do the things that are traditional to Gabe Infante's teams. And then uh, when the game is, uh, when that organization is over, what will occur now is they'll all get together and do the cheer. And then hopefully uh, Bill Abington will grab uh, uh, Coach Infante and a couple other folks. We got all the parents going down on the field now. Uh, that's a beautiful thing, and that's a really neat thing to see. And that's exactly what we would expect to see. It's a part of a team coming out of you know coming you know how many thousand fifteen hundred miles into Chicago. Um, and, and, and they're enjoying every moment of this. Obviously, the game is a big piece of it, but the travel, the spectacle, being on a beautiful field. I mean, this field is spectacular. The conditions are great, uh, and I think there's not a single person here who's, who's not thoroughly thrilled, win or lose, with the experience we've gotten. You can see Infante talking to the team, and right now he's saying, guys, you're ready. You're ready to take the next step, which is next week, right? Yep. Now what you figure? So it, it, what a wonderful experience. You're, again, your final score. Boy, they took it off the scoreboard. Final right. score is 28-27. 28, 28-27. 20, 20, that's just, just, you know, exactly what, what you would expect. You the St. Joe's Prep Hawks have actually won. This is their third year making the trip, and it's their third consecutive win on the trip. You know, first team, first time taking out Coco in Florida, getting the win. Second time going down to Dallas in very, very hot, humid conditions, getting the win, and now coming to Chicago against 
Mount Carmel and getting that win too. These guys are ready. And all the, all these seniors just did such a great job. And there's the huddle we talked about, and they're all getting together. Uh, Mr. Abingdon trying to get Bill Abingdon trying to grab uh, Gabe Infante. Um, Jack Hinkles will get a, a few folks, and, and we're going to wait one second and see if see what I can see if Jack's Jack's down there on the field. Why don't you pull up Jack's line, and, and he can hear me, and um, and I'll talk to him. Jack, you down on the field, buddy? Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, let's see who you can get. Who are you going to grab for a quick interview? I've got Dylan Hewitt with me, starting safety for the Tough Hawks. Dylan, what was that like, your full experience here in Chicago and coming as a team and, you know, coming a long way from home and getting this big win? It's always an awesome feeling, man. We do this every year, and as you can see, like, there's no better feeling than pulling this win out. We work so hard. We do this all, all season, and to come out here and get the first up is awesome. Awesome. What did you, what did you uh, uh, how was it getting that line last stop, that three and out on that final possession? How good did that feel as a defense, as a unit? Unbelievable, man. We talked about stopping their dive all week, and then we had to adjust, and it was just awesome for us to come out and stop them just like that and send this one home. Awesome, man. That's still in deal with starting safety for the prep box. Thank you very much, uh, Jack. Steve. All yours. Rich, Jack, Jack Clements now. Starting I've also got Jack Clemens, starting quarterback for the Prep Hawks. Jack, how was it? Your starting, first starting uh, game as a senior here for the Prep. How was it leading the squad to a big win here in Chicago? Uh, started off pretty pretty down, but I uh, looked around, saw my teammates. They were supporting me the whole time. I didn't, I didn't feel nervous. I mean, with my, these kids, like brothers to me, they got nothing to worry about. Jack. Leading, uh, leading three touchdown or four touchdown drives, three touchdown passes, including that game winner to uh, John Reed in the back end. So, what was going through your head as uh, John Reed grabbed that one at the goal line to give you guys the lead? Thank God. <laughs> There's Jack Clemens, starting quarterback of the State Joe's Prep Hawks. Great, Jack. Why don't you stay on the line for a moment and grab your next interview? Uh, we'll keep you queued up. Uh, that that play you just described it was just a spectacular play. They were able to grab everyone they needed to. I think Alameda Zacchaeus is up next, right, Jack? Yeah, I've got running back Alameda Zacchaeus. Two huge touchdowns here in the first half. Oh, what was going through your mind as you crossed the goal line to give your team a uh, give your team an offensive boost? I was just ready to make a play for the team. Right in the middle. I know, uh, Bobby Baker laying, uh, laying a nice block downfield. Was it, uh, how different was it dealing with Clemens uh, instead of Chris Martin? Was that a big adjustment to make? Not really. Uh, I was still working on him all the time. So not really. He just, he just needs experience. No, he's coming along. There's a lot of days of kids starting running back. Your St. Joe's prep off. Great. Uh, Jack, why don't you stay on the line there and stay on the line for just a minute. See if you can find Gabe Infante because Gabe did tell us that he'd be more than happy to. He's over by the 35-yard line, Jack. Gabe Infante's at the 35. Bill Abington will help you grab him, and he knows to look for you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Hinkle's on the field. He's approaching Gabe Infante right now, who, needless to say, is getting plenty of hugs. Um, Gabe has told us before the games, Tim, as you know, that he'll do anything to support the club, and, and obviously after a win like this, why not talk to a lot of people. Jack, he's got Gabe, Gabe, uh, the head coach right now, Gabe Infante. Jack, go ahead. Yep, I've got Coach Infante here. Coach, what did you learn about your team uh, coming from uh, coming from behind here at halftime and getting the win here in Chicago? That they have incredible courage. Our kids kept kept battling, um, fell behind, and just uh, kept working, and I'm so proud of them. 
how how different was it dealing with Chris Martin or uh, dealing with Jack Clemens rather than Chris Martin? Was there a big adjustment to make in your offense, or how does that first experience go, 2014? Jack is great in his own right. You know, Chris is Chris, and obviously we all know what he was capable of doing. But I was very proud of the way Jack came out. Even though he started the game with an interception, he came back and he fouled. He made some great throws for us. Made some great decisions that nobody else would see. And uh, did a great job managing our offense today. That's awesome. How, how great was it to see your defense come up with a huge strain out there at the end of the game to seal the deal? Phenomenal. It was a total team effort. We had guys out there that hadn't played all game. And obviously with the heat today and, and the, uh, the type of uh, style of offense that we were dealing with, it was just great to see guys go out there on the last series and bow up and make big plays for us. That's a big win for the St. Joe's Front Hawks. That was head coach Dave Infante. Thank you very much, Jack. Uh, the one thing that I, I hope if you can't grab Gabe for one more question, but I would be curious about one thing, and that is that senior leadership, um, because it's, 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 it's amazing what they've done. Jack, that senior leadership was, was just so obvious. Uh, uh, your view on the field and the excitement that uh, those kids demonstrated when they, when they stormed the field after the win? Incredible, yes. It really looks like they... They got off on the same foot as the seniors who left last year with the state championship did. It really looks like they've, they've taken control of this unit and, uh, you know, really really show what they're all about. And they're ready to go back to Philadelphia and have a, have a big season. Great. Thanks very much, Jack. We'll say goodbye to you for the meantime, and uh, we'll do a real quick recap here of the game. Thanks very much, Jack. Bill Abington down there with Jack Hinkles, uh, Tim trying to get some guys on the line, and, and uh, tremendous interviews with some real key players there, Alameda Zacchaeus, Dylan Julius, Jack Clemenson, of course, the head coach. Um, your thoughts before we do a re- recap of uh, scoring and statistics? Well, I knew that this team, you know, judging from everything I've seen last year, and judging from, you know, what I've heard from guys, they weren't going to miss a step. They, this is very similar team that we saw last year at Hershey, Pennsylvania. Now, obviously, some different names, some different players, and we obviously missed some players. But this is still the same team. Coach Infante knows how to get his guys to get the most out of them. And so I expect a very different, different uh, result than, than what we had against Don Bosco last year. And after that, you know, I think we're going to do our work in the PCO get our regular season in. We also have some other out-of-state games. We play uh, a team in Cleveland. We play another team in Jersey, which are both going to be tough games, not to overlook by any match, but also just the teams that, we're, that we know we're going to play and we know we're going to get a good fight from, teams like LaSalle and, and Roman, and then make our way through the PCLs and hopefully to another state. So let's go through the scoring recap. We'll go back and forth. I'll give the, the first, second, first, third, or fourth, first, third, fifth, and, and seventh scores. That. So we, we start off just the way we want. 52 yards, Zacchaeus, the 37-yard touchdown run. Time of the drive is 127. We take a 7 nothing lead after both teams had had turnovers to get the game going. Jack Clements had talked about the early interception. Of course, we recovered with getting a, a, a fumble recovery, and then we rallied a good start by the prep, which led to what did they do? They came right back. Well, then Malcolmo did as we as as they showed that they can do they marched down the field it took them 12 plays to get 72 yards fighting off seven minutes off of the play clock and it ended with just a one yard run by the quarterback and we saw and we saw in that drive the the three guys that were going to make a difference aj lewis uh, jacon button and anthony thompson they were the three guys and what they do in the beginning of the second quarter another long drive 78 yards 10 plays touchdown was by button they went ahead 14 to 7 the big play being by lewis uh down the sideline 24 yards all the way down to the two yard line boom it looks like okay now we got really a serious ball game going on and then, for the prep, the prep scoring play, Olamide to the case with a 50-yard screen pass. 
this is this is what I've kind of been mentioning about Jack Clemens setting up his his guys, the star players, to make star plays. He's setting up guys like Reed and Olamide. He set Olamide up on a great screen. He goes right through his walls, right down the sideline, and there was just no one touching him. It was a it was a great play all around. Now, unfortunately, we missed the extra point, so the score at the half was 14 to 13 for the bad guys. The bad guys being Mount Carmel. The prep must have gone in and made some really really key adjustments. Um, and it was is an impressive because in the third quarter they came out with an 84 yard drive. That, first of all, they held Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel got the second half kickoff. They held them, and then they came back 84 yards. Uh, the t- the big play, Clements to Reed, 59 yards, two point conversion to uh, Joe Dumont, which again shows Gabe Infante using all of his tools. Suddenly, we're up 80, uh, 21 to 14 in the third quarter. And then there was an eight play. All eight plays were rushes for Mount Carmel. It was a 54 yard drive, and AJ Lewis capped it off with a 19 yard run to set up Jaquan Boyton for a one-yard run for the touchdown, and that's what tied the game up at 21-21. And then the prep comes right back, and they get uh, 13 plays in the fourth quarter, 317 ticks away, 70 yards, and Clements to read a 23-yard pass. Oh, yes, put an asterisk next to that, because he got an assist from somebody on the Mount Carmel team who tipped it up in the air. Reed, being the senior, kept his poise, kept his focus. That deflected ball landed in his hands. 6.32 to go. They owned a 28-21 lead. And then Mount Carmel comes in and takes the ball. With that six minutes left, ten plays, all of them rushing, just making their way down the field, breaking through defensive lines, breaking through their own defensive offensive lines, and they score a touchdown on a five-yard bunt and run. But then... That's when the game changed. It was a missed extra point by their Zach Mirabelli, who has been a phenomenal kicker all game. I'm not sure if it was the snap, the hold, or the kick, but maybe the pressure got to him, and the game was lost right there. Indeed, and the prep was able to hold on and win the game 28-27. to Tremendous effort by the prep. Now, those are the, the scoring highlights. I'm going to hand my microphone over to Dan Abington, who's going to give you the, the players' individuals' highlights. I'll let you guys talk about it, then I'll come back and we'll wrap it all up. Dan, uh, Tim, take it away. Well, so as we did mention, it is Jack Clemens' first start as a senior. Jack Clemens takes hold of this offense for the first time as his offense, not him and, him and Martin's offense, but this is Jack Clemens' offense. Give me his final, his total game stats. Well, today he went 11 for 15 on his passes, which was actually surprising because it didn't look like they were passing too much. But he actually had 206 yards total. A very, a very quiet 200 yards, which is tough to say. And then, so, some of their key guys, guys who we're going to see similar players like that when we play teams like Malvern and LaSalle. Tell me some stats on Jaquan Boynton and A.J. Lewis. Well, Boynton had 27 carries. He was rushing a lot, and he had 168 yards total. And Lewis had 11 carries for 101 yards. So a lot of yardage there combined. And then their own quarterback, Anthony Thompson, not, not a real passing quarterback. They tried to make him into a passing offense at the end of the game to bring down the field, but it just was not working for him. Anthony Thompson. For his passing, he was only 6 for 9 for 26 yards, so that was pretty bad. So, I mean, we might see some more passing quarterbacks, but we also might see some more running quarterbacks as well. So, uh, Dan, we want to thank you a ton for running stats this whole game. I mean, your first game, part of WSJP, not an easy task running the stats for the whole game. So, thank you a ton, and uh, I guess we're just going to wrap the game up now. Bring Mr. Hankles back on. Well, all right, Timmy, we're off to a, a grand start. We finished on an up note. We're beginning on an up note. I think Joe Krause, and why don't you name off some of the other members of the team that you know they're here with us in spirit, huh? Well, none of this game could have been anything without 
some of the great help we had preparing the game by a bunch of guys. I mean, none of this none of this happens without the tons and tons of preparation that we do before the game, before we're even at the field. Like we we meet at school to you know work out the kinks and work out everything. So first off, we got to thank guys like you know Jack Rayner. Jack Rayner, Steve Bradley coming to the meeting, Rob Young and Matt Strong, just guys coming in and wanting to help, and it really helped a lot. I know I'm forgetting some other guys like Michael Floor, but all your help really did help. And so now we're also going to bring in this freshman class too, these guys that are going to help us out teaching the ropes, and we're going to be doing this broadcast thing for a long, long time. Well, one thing I want to do is um, uh, Bill Abington joins us right now real quick, and, and I think you're right. Those guys are terrific, and Joe Krause's equipment is with us, and we can say thanks to a lot of people, but the, the thing that's most gratifying to me besides the fact that, that you guys are getting the experience you're getting are the emails and the text messages that I got. I mentioned Paul Neff earlier texted me, said things sound good. Uh, Bill Abington is with me now, and, and also um, you just sent an email from Joe Cadillac. And, and, and he's listening. And, um, uh, Tim, I'm going to give my headset to, to Bill, and I'm going to let you two guys close out the show. Uh, Bill, a tremendous, tremendous experience, um, something that was hatched last summer, and it, it, it came to fruition as a game. Now it's come to fruition as, as an experience for parents, uh, players, uh, broadcasters, uh, future broadcasters, everyone. What a wonderful thing. Thanks very much for letting me be part of this equation. Tim, great job. Bill, I want, to, I want you to talk about some of the alumni out there and some of the folks that, that are listening and are communicating to you. All right? Well, as we talked about at halftime, it was a mission to get St. Joe's Prep out here in Chicago played against the powerhouse. And I guess the only thing to say now is mission accomplished. Absolutely, and uh, you know, we talked about Coach Infante when he took over this program. He talked about these experiences, and he's been saying all along the process, the process, and part of the process is to travel halfway across the country, play one of the top teams in the in the nation, and get a W. And, and you know, we always joke that these great trips until you lose. <laughs> They're not great trips, but we have, we we're now three for three on these kind of long distance trips. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of, you know, thanks to uh, Jack Hankels and Van Hankels who were um, live tweeting the game. We're getting a lot of retweets from guys like Steve Lindsay at CBS3. And I said Joe Cadillac, a lot of people listening back home. I got all kinds of texts and emails. And this is a great way to keep the prep community connected to, to what goes on at the school. And, you know, even though we're halfway across the country, uh, you know, in Delaware Valley, we're right in their homes and their computers on their smartphones. So it's been, a, it's been a wonderful experience. And, Tim, I hope you enjoyed this, uh, this, this broadcast. Well, I, I certainly did. I had a ton of fun. I just want to thank, you know, thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to come out here and call this game. Uh, just thanks for giving me the opportunity to, you know, be part of the club and broadcast every game that we can. And it really is just a great experience being out here, you know, supporting, you know, the high school that I go to and that, you know, I want to be a part of when I'm done. And so it's just, I really had a lot of fun, and thanks, thank all the listeners for listening to me, putting up with me and stuff like that. So I guess I'll just hand it off to you. Well, yeah, real quick, I just want to say, um, you know, you did a great job, and, and I've gotten a lot of feedback that, who's that kid doing play-by-play? He's, he's been great. So um, I do want to let everybody know we'll be back again next week. Don Bosco is the opponent Saturday night. It's a 6 o'clock start. We'll be on the air at 6 as well uh, from Plymouth Waymarsh. It's your only chance to see the Prep Hawks the month of September. It's come out this Saturday. We don't play a team from Pennsylvania until October when we play Malvern at, at Villanova Stadium. So we only have two home games at PW, so I strongly urge you coming out and, and seeing us. And uh, I want to mention a couple people in the prep community who are here 
Bruce Mavillette, many people remember Father Mavillette, who was the, the head of mission and ministry for a long time. He's down in Atlanta now. He left the prep a couple of years ago. He made the trip to see prep football today. Father Mike McGree, who was our chaplain last year, he's here. He's down studying at Notre Dame. He made the two-hour or an hour trip up from South Bend to see us here tonight. So it, it, a lot of people in the prep community making the, making the journey out here. But uh, thanks to you, Tim. Thanks to Rich Hankels. Thanks to all the guys, Dan Abington, for doing the stats. It, it's been great, and we'll do it again on Saturday. Well, the final score of this St. Joe's prep edition of football is 28-27 to with the Hawks getting a victory over the Mount Carmel Caravan. Next week we face Don Bosco at Plymouth White Marsh High School, 6 o'clock for what's going to be a great game, one of the best in Pennsylvania in the past 10 years. And uh, that'll wrap us up. Uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, good night and go Hawks.